0: Good
1: Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Jared Duncan. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week we're doing as the Swedish do and talking politics and having unprotective sex. Uh, as we watch Spines 179, 180, and 181 in the Criterion Collection, Vilgott uh, Hillman's I Am Curious collection in the form of yellow from 1967 and blue from 1968. But first, RJ. Yeah. How's it going?
2: I mean, I was fine until you started saying stuff. Yeah. You always bother me, and I and like I know sometimes you're like it's intentional, but like a lot of the time, I'm just looking at you, and I'm just mm-hmm. just your appearance upsets me sometimes. So whatever. I mean, it's it's not like a personal thing to you. I just find you very unappealing unappe- to look at. <laughs> unappealing. Unappealing. Uh, I'm doing well, Jarrett. It's hot uh, the tree in my front yard fell over. Mm-hmm. There's now a skunk living in the fall the failed tree uh, and like I don't we don't mind skunks like uh, I don't mind any of the critters. they all serve their purposes. Skunks are fine. I, I don't even think like skunk smell is like it's it's not that bad. People need to relax a little bit. Uh, but he did just spray he or she or I don't want to assume uh, they just sprayed in my front yard and I'm getting. Getting those big whiffs in the house. But, I mean, we blaze so much fat, dank, chronic that uh, you couldn't tell, anyways. (laughs) Mm. (sighs) It's legal here. Yeah. I I actually don't partake, but uh, I could if I wanted to. You could. So, I mean, I'm okay, Jared. I got these people, like, we just want our tree, like, taken out or, like, down. And uh, I could do it myself, but I don't have the means. I don't have, like, a truck to haul it. Cause it's actually quite a bit. So we're working with these tree people and I was like, can you uh come and you know, cut like, down what's left? Like since tree it's ants? all broken. Yeah. Tree ants. Yeah. And so they're like, they came and they like spray painted our lawn and stuff. And I'm like, mm. Oh, I was like, cause I was like, what are you guys doing? I was like, just take the tree. They're like, do you want underground work? And I was like, no, <laughs> we don't want any of that shit. Just take the tree and get lost. Oh buddy, that tree's just going to go right back. And I was like, I told him, I was like, fine, fine by me. We want, we like the tree. It's just it broke. Mm. So take, take the broken part out, you know? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: You know that broken part, Jared? Yeah. You know, it's actually uh, like not even like two days before the tree broke. Friend of the show, Ryan Nagel was at my house and he was like, hey, that's a nice tree you got. And I was like, it is pretty nice right now. I think it's like 10 years old. So it's like fully developed, Mm -hmm. too developed, I guess it broke. Anyways, what's going on with you, man? Do you have any tree talk for me, big guy? I have. I do have, tr- I, I actually was trimming trees. Now, is that a euphemism and I am curious style euphemism? No,
1: this is a uh, straight talk. I was out there on the front yard with a tree trimming hedge clipper thing and ladder mm-hmm. and a hacksaw and chopping branches, making uh, the appearance of our property look just that much better. Like were a you working up a like, little like a real sweat over square there? it was pretty toasty uh, were you well, wearing a hat yes
2: a ball cap yeah or a trucker cap hat like Ball a, cap. A, a, a trucker cap oh did it have like a mesh back in it uh, so yes. it could breathe yes mm. now i've heard that uh, hats have a weird fit on your head that they don't it makes your head look weird is that true
1: that's more isn't that your thing
2: no, I I thought Chanel said that once that uh, you wearing hats like made your head look weird. I think it made me. Am um, I miss, um, Am I, I misremembering things? I, th- I
1: think it's uh, that I'm unrecognizable with a hat on. I look like a completely uh-huh. different person because I don't. I that's never good. I never wear hats except I was. So that's
2: that's how you've gotten away with all those crimes then. Yes,
1: I'm currently Great. on the run even as we speak.
2: Good. Oh, yeah. Hey, there's those crazy murderers running around Canada. Maniacs. That's pretty wild. Maniacs. They're just running loose, killing without regard. As opposed you know to I mean? killing with regard. Well, it's cold blood, Jarrett. In cold blood. It's cold
3: blood, Jarrett. Hmm.
2: Fascinating. Uh, so. <laughs> you want to hear,
1: hear some emails? <laughs> sure. Excellent. Number one, okay. Colin Richards.
2: Who's Colin Richards? Oh, is that that one person again? Yep. Sorry,
1: dude. <laughs> he begins by saying, you don't <laughs> have to read this email in the next episode. And just finish listening to the latest. And I assume you okay. figured out my letterbox. We, I knew it. And I just didn't want to say it. I still don't want to. People can figure yeah. it out. Sure. People can deduce. If you, if you listen to the I, show and you follow us, we follow you back.
2: I mean, that's usually how it works.
1: Yeah. I am Most curious for your thoughts on The Master by P.T. Anderson. The first mm. time I watched it last year, I immediately started it over. Maybe it's because of the time I was learning a lot about L. Ron Hubbard or my love of Joaquin Phoenix, mm. but I just absolutely adore this movie. Uh, also, I am listening to the all-time classic episode, And God Created Woman, where RJ gets interrupted in the first few minutes of the episode because he's in a university room. Coming up to some more Google School episodes shortly, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to add more options for my October list. Hope all is well. Thank you, Colin.
2: I, I did get interrupted, you and uh, then I went into Jared's office and did bad stuff in there. Mm-hmm. hmm The stains well, are mean, still there. I mean, we talked about it in the episode, but those uh, internet providers are unreliable. They say they're going to come, and then they switch the day on you, and then it interrupts your podcast day. What are you going to do on the fly? It's a good question. If there was people out there, listeners of this, and say one day they just didn't have didn't have internet, but they needed it for like three hours, what would you do? Where would you go? What would you do? What Where would, would you go? Do? What would you do, Hotshot? I don't know. I had to go to the university, but that didn't work very well. Yeah. Remember? Uh, so the Master—that's a good show. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I uh, I haven't seen it since it came out, so my uh. I can't speak with confidence of it. It's not my favorite PTA movie, but I do like it quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I went into that movie with high hopes because... I have read, you know, my share of Scientology stuff, like as far as like mm-hmm. critica- criticisms of uh, Scientology, and was kind of familiar with the L. Ron Hubbard story. And I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh man, PT's going to blow the lid off of it all. He's going to he's going to do it up." And uh, mm-hmm. kind of like another filmmaker who made a released a movie this week depicting like historical facts, kind of like goes and makes uh, their own type of Did movie. Did he blow the
2: roof off of it? No. Keep talking about The Master.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, like, I guess it wasn't what I w- hoped for, I guess. But now I'm kind of just resigned to, like, the fact that most of these, like, the, the A-grade directors aren't going to make movies that I wish they'd make anymore. They're just going to make mm-hmm. these things that are kind of their own thing. Not what I would, like, say, yes, this is what you should be doing because that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, The Master's okay. Um, I don't know I guess I remember. I, I would. Being... I would
2: really have to rewatch it because it's yeah. been a
1: long time. I, I liked it better the second time.
2: Yeah. But. Yeah, it, it just wasn't the, the
1: movie I wanted it to be, and it, it still, I guess, is never going to be that. But. Yeah, it's kind of like. But I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I thought we were on this downward spiral between the master and then, uh, particularly with Inherent Vice, mm. um, which was just. Not good at all, but uh, then then Phantom Thread Mm-mm. comes out, and th- I thought Phantom Thread was
2: pretty awesome. So, yeah, talk more about how Inherent Vice isn't good. <laughs> it's not. Talk more about that, Jarrett. <laughs> it's not a good movie. It's not great. No, I don't know why. Uh, it's, well, it I mean, starts I know why like the first pass, about but... the first
1: hour and forty minutes are like okay, and then it kept mm-hmm. going.
2: Yeah, I, I think people are like just too kind to it, but it, what really surprises me is all those people out there that are like, it's his best movie, and it's like, what? <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? What movies have you been watching? Yeah. Well, nice to hear from that uh, new, new emailer, first time, long time, right? That's right.
1: Justin yeah, Peterson. Nice.
2: There he is. Good evening, Jared and RJ. Another oh. week
1: has come and gone, and I'm looking forward to hearing mm-hmm. you guys discuss yet another obscure entry in the Criterion Collection.
2: But first... Only so obscure.
1: It's Yeah, I don't what? know if I would call this one totally obscure. It's basically it was not, it's, it was it's not me, watched, but, but I've just heard, like, this title is just one that stands out to me, I guess. That's the only reason I know it. But first, a couple of random movie questions in my backwards Mm -hmm. creep through your full episodes, I have finally reached the Twin Peaks, the return retrospective, which I shamefully skipped when I went through all your YouTube videos. I can't believe Mm -hmm. it has been two years since that show came out and I'm enjoying getting, uh, remembering it, uh, through those weekly updates you compiled. I had never Mm -hmm. seen Twin Peaks before 2017 and I timed it just right to be able to watch through the whole series and firewalk with me right before season three came out. I rarely watch TV series now, but the first two I ever got into were Lost and The Sopranos. What are your quick takes on those classic shows? Uh, Sopranos is great. It's been a while since I've seen Sopranos, but Mm -hmm. I I, uh, have a great fondness for it.
2: Uh, Sopranos is top-notch shit. When you get that Gabagool, Jarrett, and you just slather it on, baby. Oh, baby. Uh, I love the Sopranos. And uh, I think uh, seasons one to three of Lost are terrific. Really good. Uh, and I actually don't mind the ones after that, like the rest of the show and the ending. I thought it was fine, but I think the first three, season that, three seasons of that show were really good. I th- would say I thought the first three seasons were good, and then four mm-hmm.
1: through five, six? Because six? did they do a seven season? I, I think, think it was – no, up. I
2: think six was split in two, but it was uh. like – it was it was four, still the six. Four the season.
1: through six and a half or whatever is I yep. love I love those seasons. Like they were like it's like yep. so they just kept amping up the w- wackiness and i was Mm -hmm. like oh my god stuff with jacob and the weird like Mm. mythology and stuff i was like so into and i thought this is so exciting because i i kind of came to it later after like the first three seasons had already aired and i watched them all through and then was watching it like episode episode for a bit and that ending is horrible 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 it's the shits (laughs) uh and it's completely made it so you don't don't watch lost because there was no point it's just garbage and uh i have it's it's to me. It's still oh, tell one me the, how you really feel. It's one of the biggest train wrecks of like serialized television. I think I've seen.
2: I know. I, I've heard Dexter's like way worse. Um, I, I've also heard that that <laughs> the uh, the Dexter ending like overthrew the Lost ending for like most controversial ending ever. Yeah, but no we'll way. see if Game of Thrones beats that. Yeah, I remember just like
1: the whole mystery of like what's going on in the last bit of Lost, and, uh, mm-hmm. and it comes down to it, and you're like, oh. This, this is not good <laughs> and uh
2: that's that It's just
1: like so the shits
2: I, I, so i uh i went lost to my old uh boss my old professor and uh he got into i think he was just starting season three and he was like talking about what it, him and his wife thought about it and they're like we're not sure if we should keep going this is what we think is gonna happen and uh he was like i may have heard that like in other TV shows or something. He's like, but is this what the ending is? And I was like, yeah, that is. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, you don't have to give us any more of the, the show then. (laughs) And I was like, all right, man. I was like, so he had a hard stance too. I thought the ending was fine, but I, I bought the whole series, uh, in China. If you want to borrow it from me, I, I own physical copies of it. As
1: do I, I still own mine. Mm -hmm. They're in a, in a bin (laughs) ready to Mm -hmm. go out into the world to some poor bastard. Yeah. Lost, uh, hard do
2: not watch it's just like it was so Uh, it was it was super entertaining i'm gonna take a nicer stance on that like i actually enjoyed it and like i think you know what stephen king says jared is that like the journey is more important than the destination so like uh if the ending they don't nail it then like maybe at least you made some friends along the way
1: well, I could recommend uh, people watch about 50 different TV shows before watching the sure. Lost. So it's like, so don't watch, like, don't watch Lost. Don't, because it's just not
2: worth I it. I will say, while well, just the last thing while we're on it, I think see, the ending of season one of Lost is the best, like, Gold. cliffhanger ending to Gold. any TV show ever yeah. when they just roll up on that raft and it's that real greasy mcginley guy yeah and they're just like we're gonna have to take the boy we're gonna have to take the boy <laughs> See, there's and you're stuff just like that that's so good
1: the but then it all pays off to shit <laughs> this is awful. It, so it was so good no, or, or, it was so good i remember uh my other is like jack we gotta go back <laughs>
2: God, kate we gotta go back Lock. oh kate uh the adventures of Locke. Oh, John Locke? Yeah, man. That's actually something Andrea and I say to each other all the time. Like, if, I, if I'll if i be like, hey, you should, um, like, say we're eating. I'll be like, ooh, you should try it with this sauce or something. she would be like, don't tell me what I can't do. <laughs> you know, just John Locke style. And well, I'll be like, god damn, all right. Oh, fuck. Ter- terry O'Quinn. See, now that I talk
1: about Relax. it, I'm like, yeah, loss was fun. But, man, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you want to get mad?
2: <laughs> it's like, just be like, wow, that's it, huh? I think we're underselling, though, uh, that – so Lost is good. I like Lost, even the ending. But uh, Sopranos, fuck. I've been trying to rewatch Sopranos for like five years with Andrea. And she just – she swears. She's like, I watched it with you. And I'm like, babe, you didn't watch it with me. I watched this before we were dating. Babe, babe, listen to me. And she's like, no, I watched it with you. I was like, I'm telling you, you didn't. But she's like, no, I've seen all that. her
1: old boyfriend.
2: Could have been could have been i just know she didn't watch it with me and i'm pretty confident she hasn't watched it period and she just refuses to watch one of the best tv shows ever made the gobble ghoul, gobble ghoul. my favorite episode is when uh Polly and uh is it Vinny get lost in the woods oh yeah and he loses his shoe fuck that's good yep. oh baby some people i think anyway uh,
1: some people hated that episode for some reason
2: oh fuck though, them yeah, that episode's awesome it is a good episode
1: it's hilarious okay. yep. Go- goat question of the week
2: Oh, oh yeah, we're still doing stuff, eh? Hey? <laughs> yeah. What is
1: okay. your greatest of all time comedy movie experience in the theater?
2: I think I could just name Jarrett's. Mine was would it, have. Well, would, actually,
1: mine would have to be when sorry. I saw Wedding Crashers on opening weekend with a packed crowd, that was cracking up throughout.
2: Hmm. Does it have to be a good experience?
1: Uh, I, I would as uh, greatest. So it should be the greatest comedy movie Mm -hmm. experience. Where where did you like sit in the theater? Everyone's like rolling in the aisles.
2: (laughs) Uh, You know what? It actually probably was like, uh, I'll give you a few different options. The one where the entire theater was on board and like every single joke landed was a super bad. Yeah, I would say that one for sure. Like that one, I think just killed everybody. I think my best experience was watching Role Models. Uh, that wasn't a full theater, but that was that was a good one when it was there. And my worst experience ever, Jarrett, was watching Bridesmaids with uh, not friend of the show, but friend of my me in real life, Ham Meat. We went to Bridesmaids, Jarrett, and it was sold out, and we we're like, well, fuck. So we got tickets to the later show. So we show up to the later show, and it was packed, right packed, Jarrett, And me and him were the only two guys in the entire theater. And we showed up and there was only two seats left and they were dead middle in the very front row. And we walked in and it was just we were met with the most (laughs) judgmental eyes just because they're like, look at these piece of shit guys walking in here late to the show. We weren't even late. It was just everyone else was so early. We were like, man, people are fucking excited for this bridesmaids thing. And then that movie was two and a half hours long, I think. <laughs> what? No way. It, it felt like okay. Bridesmaid's is over two hours for sure. Jesus. I'll look it up. Okay. Did you uh give your example yet?
1: No. Um I'm thinking about it. It's gotta be like one like probably Jackass. Jackass okay. was, Jackass would be up there. One of the like I saw all three of those I think in theater. Borat. Borat was pretty awesome. Uh,
0: My
2: wife. Uh, oh, that one.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: As opposed to uh,
1: as to watch Borat?
2: My wife. Uh, oh. So I just tried to look up uh, the thing, but uh, did you know uh, Letterboxd is down? I'm on it right now, so you're lying. Well, mine is okay. okay. So uh, it's two I I uh,
1: I remember seeing uh, Punch Drunk Love with a friend of mine, and we were the only ones oh. laughing. That movie was hilarious, uh, but we were in a theater that was very. Uh, unattended on opening day because nobody cared and it was was hilarious
2: well i mean i think that's but i think more of that has to go to you like the blame for that
1: yeah definitely borat and the jackass movies comedy okay Okay, finally Justin continues, I checked out that new Quentin Tarantino movie, and while I enjoyed it, wow, was it a slow burn. With you all watching slow Criterion movies so often, Mm -hmm. do you feel like you've built up a tolerance to slower movies compared to the average moviegoer?
2: Nope. (laughs) Not at all. I still hate every every minute of it, but uh, I do it for the fans.
1: Also, what, about what you, would Ger? you say your favorite and least favorite Tarantino movie is? Um, I don't know. I think my like my tolerance for slower-paced movies, uh, I, I built up a long time before doing this show. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think you really want to be wanting to do a Criterion podcast without having some sort of like tolerance for subtitled yeah. foreign-language films. And long yeah. movies, but boy, as, as a uh, listeners are knowing, uh, we 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 often get, our, our patients can be taxed just like anybody else's. And we're just like, you'd think that we would be the audience defending this shit, but no, we're not. <laughs> it's like sometimes mm-hmm. too much is too much. Um, yeah. as far as favorite and least favorite Tarantino movies, oh, I'll just finish reading this, uh, mm-hmm. Justin wrote, my favorite would be Inglorious Bastards, which has my favorite mm-hmm. final scene of all time. And while I enjoy all his movies, I would say Jackie Brown is my least favorite, but I'm due for a rewatch mm-hmm. on it. Thanks guys. And have a great show. Um, thank you. I would say that Justin Peterson. Jackie Brown would probably be my favorite Tarantino movie and has Ooh, been for, hot take. I, I don't know for 20 years or whatever since i watched that movie mm-hmm. it's been my favorite um and then i would have probably *Inglorious bastards is my second and i didn't th- feel that okay. way till i rewatched it and number three this is now this is hot takeage: death
2: proof i don't remember justin asking you to name your top three but Jarrett. that is my top three and number four is rounded out okay. by pulp fiction uh, yeah, Death Proof is way better than people give it credit well, for. Well, even
1: uh, Quentin says it's his worst movie. And I'm like, whoa, I whoa, disagree whoa. you're the man who directed the Kill Bill movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those movies, uh, so, I don't think of age well.
2: Okay. I haven't watched those in a long time. Yep. Uh, and I haven't seen Jackie Brown in probably 15 plus years. But a friend of the show, Ryan Angle, watched it this very week. And uh, I believe he gave it four and a half stars out of five. So that's pretty hot take. Um, I'm going to be the basic bitch. And I guess my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie is just Pulp Fiction. It has to be. I've seen that movie many, many times. Uh, Ham Meat had the posters, the Zippos, all the paraphernalia, (laughs) bad motherfucker wallets. Uh, me and him watched that son of a bitch over and over. Yeah. Just that Zed scene because we couldn't get enough of that gimp suit. Oh yeah. Baby. Um, did you know that Quentin Tarantino is credited for directing Sin City?
1: Uh, he directed dinner. one scene. He directed the one scene with the decapitated Which Benicio scene? Del Toro head.
2: Oh. Yeah, he did okay. that. He did that scene. I would, so, okay, well, forget that. But um, I would have to rewatch Kill Bill. I remember really liking him when I had yep. seen them. But Me too. Uh, you know what? I'm going to hit you with the hottest it takes. Reservoir Dogs is his least best movie.
1: Uh, it's better than Kill Bill.
2: You know why it's his least best movie, Jarrett? Because Reservoir Dog fans are the same fans as Fight Club fans. Uh. See what I mean? So, yeah. See what I mean? I,
1: I, did, my, I did my rewatch of uh, Tarantino three years ago.
2: And mm-hmm. uh, Reservoir
1: Dogs. That was pretty pod though, Jared. It was. And it's. Just by an inch. It's very much like this movie that kicks stuff off for him. Like for a first film, yep. pretty accomplished. But it's. Yeah. It's I mean, it's, of, a it's a it's, good it's, movie, it's very sloppy. But, and. Uh, yeah. But yeah. like When you watch Pulp Fiction, though. It is the movie that, I don't know, I think defines the 90s. Hell yeah. I think so. Um, It just influenced so much. It it changed the way people talk about movies. Uh, I think Quentin Tarantino, at that point, became his own franchise...
0: Like, I mean, it's funny oh, cause I, yes, I was, I was just
1: sure. thinking about this because there's some people talking about like, Christopher Nolan, Martin Scorsese and Tarantino are white people franchises or some shit like that. What? Yeah. And this is like Twitter and why it's the worst. And like every time a Tarantino movie comes out, it's, you should just stop being online because you're going to mm-hmm. get, or at least I should, because I'm just going to get mad because people are like the worst at talking about this stuff all the time. It, I, I, I don't, ha- I, I don't know how you can...
2: I don't know how you can say that with the the sheer amount of Kangol hats that are in all of his movies. Like, look how universal he is. He appeals to every every person yeah. in the world. But
1: with yeah, those Pol- Kangol
2: hats. Fiction Fictions is like one of those things. Just like Silence of the Lambs, where it's just like, yep, this yep. movie is
1: like it changed so much, it influenced so much. You can't not what give it like top, to me like top, it's yeah. even though it's like it's not my favorite but it's like yeah I mean it's kind of like with Wes Anderson like you're kind mm-hmm. of splitting hairs about like which movie do I love the most of my children well actually well
2: actually well actually I would say Django is the best Django's pretty good
1: I think Django Django I think rounds out uh, his top four. his top five he, he would round top I think, five I think so upon I've only seen I've seen that movie three times I guess on, twice in theater, once on video. On video. Home video? I've only seen Hateful Eight once. And that was in theater opening day. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm in any rush to watch this. But maybe I should watch that six-hour version on Netflix. Is eh? there
2: seriously a six-hour version on I, Netflix? Or
1: something like that. It's it's uh, I'm not sure. It's, it, could be, um, it could be four hours. It could be six hours. I don't know.
2: Oh, I thought it it was something like it was four hours. But they okay. broke it into four episodes. Yeah, okay. Or oh,
1: oh it's only that's four it's only four hours long.
2: Uh well I don't know. Right here it's saying it's two forty eight. So maybe people really? were full shit. Maybe. But that's the movie. We're talking about Hateful the, Eight. The right?
1: movie the movie's that long. What, Hateful Eight? Yeah. Hateful Eight's only that like is that long. It's a long that's a goddamn yeah. long movie. In in a single room location. <laughs> 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 I don't I don't know what to tell you, Jarrett. so you're gonna go for reservoir dogs Based on not having watched it sure. forever, and you don't like its fans, and I'm gonna go with yep. Kill Bill Volume Two. <laughs> yep,
2: and I mean, uh, even even though even it's got so, like,
1: even though it's got one of my favorite characters in the, like Tarantino movies, it's got Michael Mads- Michael Madsen and uh, as uh, what's, what's his name in that series, but but in the trailer stuff is awesome. But boy, yeah. oh boy, that movie, ugh, there's some shit. Well, they're both on like. Netflix
2: if you want to watch them. But
1: but is it the whole bloody affair? Where's that version? That's all like, the the chapters are all
2: in order, blah, blah, blah. You would be pleased to know, though, that um, I just heard that they might make a a third Kill Bill. Yeah, that sounds nice. Even though they had already killed him. Yeah. Spoiler, I guess. Hey, Jackie Brown's on Netflix. I didn't know that. Ooh, there you go. You should do it. Do it up. Yeah, it looks like almost all of them are. Thanks for the stimulating email, Justin. Yeah, (laughs) stimulating as always. Continuing. Jackson. Hey, guys. With Werner Wait. Herzog being oh. added
1: to the Criterion channel, I missed that. Uh-huh. It must have just happened or something. I don't is know. Is that uh, I don't know. It made okay. me remember that he doesn't have any films in the collection, other than, like, the documentary about his one movie. When? He doesn't? He... No. Huh. Nope. Just uh, Burden of Dreams, which is about the making of Fitzcarlado. What do you think Weird. would be a good addition from his filmography to the collection?
2: Aguirre. a. <laughs> Aguirre, for sure. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of uh, old Werner, but uh, it seems like that is the uh, undisputed...
1: Strojek. like one of my uh, faves, so that would be good. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Like It's kind of surprising, but he owns those rights, and he's got them currently with is it Shout Factory put out? There? There's like a big box set that's got everything in it or like 28 films. So he's covered, but he doesn't get that yep. criterion stamp of approval. I mean, he's no Godzilla. Let's be serious here. Well, and, and not yet. And Jackson adds, and with his new film, what is Tarantino's best and
2: most underrated films in your Kaiser opinion? Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, well, let me direct you to 10 minutes ago when we just okay. discussed this. So this is like right, slightly right? different. Most, his
1: best film, okay, well, I don't know what his best film would be. I. Yeah. I mean, so my, what are we if, doing this? I, I'm just going to say, what's his most underrated film? I'd, I'd say Death Proof. I think that thing is inc- uh, ridiculously underrated. Um, and uh, I, J- uh, Jackie I'll, Brown. I'll, I'll agree with you. Yeah. And Jackie Brown is like always been my favorite. And I guess is also underrated. Because I remember the time when that movie came out, though, because when you make Reservoir Dogs and then you make Pulp Fiction, everybody's expecting, like, Pulp Fiction 2 uh, basically yeah. instead of he made Jackie Brown which is based on Elmore <laughs> Leonard who's a writer I love and uh, you can follow my tags of all the movies that he's done uh, that have been adapted to films quite a few good ones some okay ones and it's like the most any good uh, ones yeah uh Ombre with Paul Newman was pretty good uh, he, he writes really Ooh. great his, his, yeah. vi- his villains are really awesome I always love the way he writes them they're kind of almost like the same character over and over again but they're uh I don't know. Really enjoyable. So yeah, Jackie Brown uh, and people should watch that movie. Get figure it out. The movie's great.
2: What Jackie Brown? Yeah, and Death Proof. Yeah, I mean Death Proof. Yeah, I would totally. uh, I would say even more than Death Proof. I think uh, in my my history, Jackie Brown has always been uh, regarded as the bottom tier of Tarantino. And I think it's. I think you kind of summarized it good. Actually, you're just like after Pulp Fiction. He hits you with jackie brown and people are just like oh we wanted more more gimps and uh after mm-hmm. jackie brown like he he went away for a
1: while he it took him a really mm-hmm. long time to make his next movie and then that it was finally kill bill but yeah he did like it was really anticipated what he was going to do and that was at the point too where i remember being on um oh god uh something or it was not, something awful. Well, Harry Knowles' website, any cool news? And like, there was all the speculations of like the scripts he was writing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, like at one point he was wor- he was working on his like tank movie, his World War Two movie with like Adam Sandler really? and stuff like that, like, oh, the, the, yeah. like way back when. And eventually, that's what Inglorious Bastards would kind of result out of, is a men on a mission type of thing. But mm-hmm. it was like being yeah. worked on forever, and then he like, I'm going to make Kill Bill, and you're like, oh, <laughs> like this totally unrelated thing, but it's like oh, it's his, like ode to like. Kung Fu exploitation movies, and then he became that guy, and then he made uh, Grindhouse, which yep. is like one of the best experiences I've had in the theater in general. Like I, oh yeah, I fucking love that movie. But it's also every time I saw that movie a few times in theater, every time people walked out, there was always people walking out, and that's a pretty that's a consistent theme mm. with Tarantino movies in theater. I've I often go, and there are uh, a few people who leave. They just
2: <laughs> like they don't want it. Yeah, but yeah, I think that one's like. For uh Grindhouse, I think a lot of people are just like, This movie's too long. I'm laboring.
1: Well, Planet Terror sucks uh on rewatch. Like it's real Yeah, shibby. and you gotta
2: get through Planet Terror to get to Death Proof.
1: And then you get all the sweet trailers, which are indeed mm-hmm. fantastic. But yeah, the uh,
2: sweet. Yeah, uh Yeah. Okay, so since this is the Quentin Tarantino podcast, just really quickly, do you believe all this bullshit that he's gonna retire after one more movie? Mm, no, it's one more. It's like left, Alan. Right? It's like
1: Alan Moore retiring from comics. Mm. He'll probably do it a few more times before he's done. Done. He's got that. I know. He's got that Star know. Trek script out, and now the people are, like, oh, is he, he going to direct
2: it? No, he says not. But he also, I think, someone there was like all these people, the loophole that would allow Quentin Tarantino <laughs> to direct Star Trek and not be his final film. Ugh. It's like shut up. Yeah. It was just said in that voice too. Super ticket. The best way to buy a movie. Ticket. 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 I, I do uh, Do you think American people have super tickets? I, ho- I hope or is they that- don't. I hate super tickets. Well, a ticket super guy. ticket. It's just this, this guy's fat little mouth. Ticket. The absolute best way to buy a movie. <sighs> so
0: Sam you Sanchez. Hear him just...
2: <laughs> oh, Sam Sanchez got the super ticket. Hello again,
1: guys. There he is. I got to give RJ some credit as one of the times. He <gasps> voiced the exact same opinion as me. Regarding my nice. email from last week as what you should uh, log a movie on, Letterboxd, if you watch after midnight. Kind of like Gremlins. Mm. Uh, my exact yes. rule, like RJ stated, is anything watched before I go to bed counts for the day prior if it's after midnight. Absolutely. Example, the other day I started a movie like at around twelve fifteen a.m. and then followed that up with another movie. I finished both around 3.30 and then went to bed. Yep. Both counted for the day before. Thank you for being yeah. the voice of reason, RJ.
2: Hell yeah, days in my mind are sleep-wake cycles. Uh, I, I got a question
1: for uh, th- these men who are married. What, what, yes. what, what do your uh,
2: significant others think about your gorging on movies? That's a good question, because I know um, w- I know how it's treated in my household, and uh, sometimes I don't really watch a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. What about you, Jared? I mean, you're not married, but you've been uh, in a... Communal partnership for (laughs) what thirty years now? So Uh, fifteen years this weekend. I was I was half right. Yeah, yeah. So Uh, uh, how does it work for you?
1: I I feel like my partner, she is more understanding than most. In (laughs) what way? She she indulges my uh, collections, my my viewing habits. Um, she can basically like. Do whatever she wants, whenever she wants to do it. I guess, and, oh I, and I and I just accumulate shit and watch
2: the shit. This is the wildest thing I ever heard. Yep, pretty, I I create okay. rules for Anne. Yeah,
1: just just the one
2: way, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, I expect to be able to do whatever I want, but uh, she's got to. <laughs> I mean, it false. and it's funny. Yeah, false, false. Uh, I do pretty much whatever she says. Sam continues,
1: I have a bad habit of listening to the episode as soon as it's released, thinking of stuff to write in about Mm -hmm. and then forgetting everything you even talked about come Wednesday. And I actually send the email. That reminds me, actually, you guys mentioned people listening to the show on Thursdays, being a Californian here. i actually listening to you guys normally on Wednesday nights or at least begin Mm -hmm. to. Yeah, you're lucky if we actually get that episode up Uh, by midnight because then it does download I guess on your side by 11pm don't think I haven't noticed the show going up about an hour or two later recently now as I used to be able to listen to your sweet Canadian accents at around 9pm pacific time and now I'm forced to wait Mm. that's going to change in about a month when I go back to my regular square job in in September Mm -hmm. and we'll be recording an hour earlier so hopefully it'll uh, it'll work itself out don't you worry and you'll be good for another 8 months one question. I, I would just like to say, oh, hopefully. Yeah,
2: hopefully. Well, yeah, I, yeah, yeah you you, yeah, you, might gum up the works we, here. Yeah, we might be recording at midnight for all we know. Woo! Woo, baby. Yeah. Sorry,
1: keep going. One question, though. Is there any piece of music or maybe quote or segment of movies that when you watched a movie for the first time, you were already so familiar with where you had a kind of a revelation of discovering where that was actually from? I'm sure this happens a lot with The Simpsons, as I remember having something mm. like the. Uh, when I finally saw it's a mad, mad, mad world, it but but a couple non Mm -hmm. Simpsons related ones I've had. Remember watching Beyond the Valley of the Dolls and then hearing the opening bit from Sublime Smoke Two Joints and feeling like, oh, that's where that's from. And to bring up Caliber Nine for the third straight week, woo,
0: as a teenager,
1: I was into a rap group called Non Non Fixion. And when I heard the opening I, piece of music know. from caliber nine, I immediately recognized the music that was sampled in a nonfiction single and thought it was a pretty smart move to sample a movie that at the time was even more obscure than it is today. So was wondering if you guys have had any moments like that while watching a movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, surely, surely, naturally. Uh, also I would say like Simpsons is probably the one for me because I watched Simpsons so, so much. And I know you did, too. And there were so many things. I just, like, little gags in Simpsons that I knew off my heart. And then years and years later, you see a movie, and you're like, holy shit. That's what that Simpsons joke is. Yeah. Amazing. Um, off Offhand, I don't think I could name drop any specific. I don't know about you. Can you? Um. Uh... He's stunned. Oh, no. Stunned. You
1: know, I'm, I'm also just trying to think. But, like, yeah, I mean, The Simpsons one. I remember, because I didn't watch Pulp Fiction until after that episode with Herman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Co- looks like we caught ourselves a couple of flies. Looks like spiders caught himself <laughs> a couple of flies. Yeah, and being like, oh, that's what ha- That's what that movie is. <laughs> and being
2: mm-hmm. like, oh. <laughs> like, yeah. I remember like, that's that. what happened yep. later. Yeah. Yes, uh, Simpsons for sure. I mean, if anyone wants us to start a Simpsons podcast, no. donate all of your money to a Patreon, and uh, we'll quit our jobs. So but we need at least, like, I don't know about your, your lifestyle, but I need a lot to yeah. live. Sam concludes, keep it going, oh. guys. Long and hard. Ugh. He sounds like Jared over there. But, I mean, we're trying, right? Finally.
1: Ugh. Frank Solano. There he is. Back to the basics of real podcasting. Oh, I mean, well, it's the, the, the definitive podcasting for sure, right? Hello, creeps and creepers. I have had oh, a yes. realization. As a premier student of the pod, I must announce Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. our show hosts have consistently neglected to provide us with a desired experience of food, weather, travel, and toilet talk that had once honored this fine show. Don't get me wrong, this being the globally renowned one and only Criterion podcast means that there Mm -hmm. will inevitably be movie talk, but there is an emptiness in my soul as I reminisce about the early days of this great show when conversations about burritos and broken toilet seats graced our ears. And my fellow fans, this isn't part of a dilemma of our very own making. We have persistently filled the glorious creep email set with questions about films and directors and capes. Our hosts probably Mm -hmm. believe that we have moved on from this filler material, but I say, we are not. And that is completely it. Um, When It takes uh, as long as it does now to go through the email. The idle chatter goes by the wayside.
2: Well, absolutely. I mean, people may forget now that we are officially and solely the number one global phenom podcast the only criterion podcast people forget that we had such humble roots where for months and months to a year we didn't get a single email other than a uh, the random oliver granger or josh fraser here or there so sometimes we would get one email most days we would get zero emails so we had to uh fill in that time Jarrett. you know 10 20 minutes of a preamble real quick like before we uh we get into that but I mean, I haven't broken any toilets lately. If I had, I would definitely tell you. It would be the first thing I would tell you. But uh, I don't know. The toilets are okay. I notice like it's getting kind of like weird. My toilet here, like whenever we flush it, it kind of whistles a little bit. And I think it's just been I've been hitting it so hot and heavy lately and just consistently that I think it's actually getting worn out. Yeah. (laughs) Is that ever happening to you? You ever wear out a toilet? No. Like it's no, it's not no, that RJ, old. Like I it's gotta haven't. be like maybe ten years old at hmm. most. Fascinating. I mean I well, can't believe Frank
1: think? hasn't mentioned like you know getting ripped and talking about your like weekend escapades of recklessness and uh getting liberation. ripped when
2: have I ever gotten ripped? Ripped up, baby. <laughs> uh well yeah, I know, but those are those are getting farther between? I suppose. Mm. I mean, if you want, I'll go out with you this weekend and get real pissed up. Mm. But that's up to you. Maybe if people uh, kick in some Patreon bucks to foot the <laughs> foot the bill, we can uh, go out and get lots of material for the podcast. Mm. Jared will get fired. I'll get deported. Again. To,
1: again. To somewhere else. I just want to say a peek behind the curtain that uh, at this point already in this year, we've had more downloads and plays, RJ this year mm.
2: than we did all of last year I mean that sounds pretty good or is it that last year maybe, was just bad
1: no it was the best year we had prior so oh. now now we've blown it out of the water because people are recognizing
2: well I mean we're globally recognized as <laughs> that guy from Lithuania he knows and maybe it's because maybe maybe the toilet talk
1: has gone by the wayside
2: Well, that's a pretty bold assumption. I don't think that that's accurate at all.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: As a true fan of this show, Mm -hmm. I will be the first to take responsibility and admit to uh, failing us all. From here on out, I pledge to ask at least one question that will be completely unrelated to films, film craft, or film media. Starting today, we will rejoice in what truly made this podcast the greatest show of all time. So, my non-film question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how tolerant are you guys with spicy food? Are there any flavors that you enjoy more, be them jalapenos, habaneros, chipotle, or others?
2: I would say I'm a solid like eight or nine out of ten, and I know that sounds like a pretty bold claim, but I can put down some pretty serious shit. So uh, we we eat Indian food a lot, and when we go, I, I always ask them like, uh, "I'll get one dish Indian hot," is what we what we tell them, and they're like, always like, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, "Yeah, bring that shit right now. Let me swap it into my fucking mouth." So I'll eat it and then, like, I mean, I'll sweat immediately, but I'll continue to eat it until it's all gone. And, and as far as the jalapeno uh, or sexy peppers talks, uh, I'm a fan of the habanero myself just for taste. I think it tastes better than a hotter or not as hot. Better, I would say better eight. than jalapeno. <laughs> Jalapeno, I think so I have like a weird thing with jalapeners. um like sometimes I'm really into them I'm like man these are really good and then sometimes I feel like they just get in the way and I'm like get oh, that man. shit out of here it's like Alpino I don't want baby. that baby oh,
1: I I wish I could eat more of them but yeah. boy oh boy does that sometimes uh What's your toilet like through? after? Uh it's not the toilet it's the the hole the 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 the, Which the, one? the, the manhole <laughs> Sometimes it burns RJ sometimes it burns <laughs> like in the streets yeah oh God <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm yeah, about I mean, a, I'd say I'm a seven and a half pretty easily like I could be a little bit higher mm-hmm. like I, I don't eat too much like like ridiculously spicy food like I did when I was younger because I think mm-hmm. your like tolerance for that stuff drops over time your taste buds like you start diminishing and burning out that like uh expanse I that you have in your it. tongue no that's there's something to it in those sciences I believe so yeah after a oh. while you everything's like that's when you you know, I don't know, RJ, if you've noticed, old people, they're always like, that's ah, too mm. spicy. And you're like, what the fuck's wrong with these wimpy old people? It's like, well, no, their like, ability to eat that is like, completely diminished. And once that's gone, it doesn't come back. And when you eat it, it's like it's all you have, and it ruins your food. So I feel bad for old people because they can't enjoy life like they once did. So
2: I don't know, man. I feel like I eat good stuff all the time. You're and, still young, uh, You're
1: still a young boy. I'm like 48. Wait, wait till you Wait still eat spicy wait, wait, stuff. Well, you'll see. I, I knew a dude, this guy fucking ate the spiciest food all day long. There was nothing that was uh, too spicy for him. And now he's like, uh, yeah, I can't eat that anymore. It's too spicy. And I'm Did like, Did he get what? an ulcer, like in Dumb no, and Dumber? No, it's a pure taste. And this guy was like a maniac. He was always getting those novelty, too hot for digestion foods, mm. like so- sauces and stuff. And now See, he's okay. like, "And now he's like, ooh, taco time uh, spice, a little too much. <laughs>
2: Oof. Well, that sucks. Yeah. But see, that's the thing, too. It's like, I don't think I'm going to burn out as as hard because I don't go for the novelty shit. I mean, I used to a little bit, but it wasn't something I would seek out. Like, if they had super ghost pepper Haw wings, I'd eat, like, one. I'd be like, yeah. okay, I'm good. Those, like, see, I, I chips, didn't force myself to do that I'm shit. A, I'm not a fan of spicy chips. We got the spiciest fucking chips of our lives, like, a couple months ago. They were, they were Dorito... um Like, whatever they're, like, the American Doritos, like, Flamin' Hot kind of things were. Mm -hmm. And, like, they were just burnt. Like, they weren't spicy in my body, but my lips had so much Dorito dust on them. I was like, (laughs) my lips are fucking on fire. And I just had to, like, put them in, like, some sour cream just to, like, cool them down a little bit. Yeah. That's the best way to cool down your lips, you know? (laughs) It's in the movie we watched today. I remember that
1: RJ has mentioned that his chili is murderous, but I'm wondering what spices or peppers he uses. I'm currently well, taking family. a step forward in my Scoville testing adventure. I'm moving mm-hmm. up from ghost peppers to the infamous Carolina Reaper. I'll let you Ooh, guys baby. in on how it goes, but I actually have quite an invincible palate and stomach. So I'm actually not too worried about the outcome after, uh, other than the taste of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I bet Frank could beat me in that. Then if he's putting down ghost peppers like frequently, Um, I like I think my chili is hot. I sweat when I eat it. Andrea won't eat it unless I dial it back a little bit. But uh, the spices, I mean, it's your regular stuff. But the the one thing I do more than anything is I put a ton of fucking paprika in there and it's like paprika is not even spicy. No, (laughs) I just really like the taste. Uh, so like i load it up with paprika and then i'll get like a whole thing of habaneros like i don't know when i make it just for myself i'll put in like eight but like if andrea's eating it i'll just put in like one or two and then it's actually still pretty spicy so i don't know jared do you want to try my chili i'll make you some you never do this is a
1: a, a great fraud this
2: creep tote Creeptober, I'll make you some spicy chili because that's when chili is the best. Like up here, when uh, that air gets crisp and those leaves (laughs) turn red and brown, and you're just like, Ooh, man, I'm going to blow it up my butt later. Red and brown style. Red and brown.
0: Woo. Woo.
1: Finally, Frank concludes I'd like to propose an idea. Uh oh. Uh oh. So last week I asked about film festivals and you guys mentioned that you'd be willing to attend one. It's too late to plan anything for this year, but I was thinking maybe we could do a meet and greet with the fans of the show at next year's TIFF. It would be a great way to introduce yourselves in person to your growing fan base. And it could be fun to have everyone attend the same premieres and showing together and see how the reviews Mm. on Letterboxd differ. Of course, apologies in advance to those of you living a trillion miles away, but you'd be there if you're a real fan. Have a good one, creeps.
2: Well, I like the idea. Yeah. However, it would it would depend. So, like TIFF is the one that's closest. That's a real like, big deal. But the one like when is Sundance? Like what Fe- part of the year?
1: February. February.
2: February. Are there any summer festivals? Yes. <laughs> Which ones? I don't know. There's there's festivals all the time. Okay, because I would say like the summer ones would. Probably work the best schedule wise for both of us. Yeah. But, uh, well, TIFF is
1: September, right? Yeah. That's like, for yeah, me, but that's I, like, I wouldn't be able to no, do that. No, nor I. That's like, uh, f- yeah. for those in the uh, education realm, it's like, oh, mm-hmm.
2: that's when you go back to work. Both you and me are uh, on a hard September to June schedule now. So, like, the summer ones would be easy. I mean, if anyone wants to come up here, I'll give you Jarrett's address. You can, you can you go can, and you can live in the P.O. Box. Yeah, you can go up there. I'll just... Jarrett lives at 1-2 um, <laughs> Fart, Butt Street,
0: Dumpville.
2: Nice. Diarrhea. <laughs> yep. See, I'm bringing it back. You did That's it. That's what the fans want. You uh, did clearly, it. the fans are demanding it.
1: It is a... I like the I like the idea of something like that. And I've, it has crossed my yep. mind at times. Like, hmm, how could you do that? Because I know bigger podcasts do that. And I mean, not even like significantly mm-hmm. bigger than ours, but like a lot bigger where they have like an active fan base beyond uh, the same people who email in every week, who we love. But it's essentially the same vocal people. And if there's more than these people out there that are actively listening, we have no idea Mm -hmm. who they are, where they are. But that doesn't mean anything
2: either. I don't know. It's something to think about. I mean, I know that Oliver Granger would fly in from New Zealand, and I know Frank would be there. Sam Sanchez would probably rip over. Justin Peterson would be there. Uh, Colin Richards um, our Lithuanian friend George Horschminer. and then uh, am I forgetting anyone well Rupa would probably come with Oliver so that's another one <laughs> but I mean out, and yeah that'd be awesome I'll go out and hang out with you guys and we can make our own memories yeah yeah but I mean yeah it's like Jared said if there's actually other people out there I don't know email in we'll see we'll see if there's interest in it maybe we'll host a film festival up here We'll just show Salo four times in a row, <laughs> and everyone can stay at Jarrett's house. Yeah, he's got the he. And he's a homeowner. People, hey. he owns the whole house. <laughs> Ooh, thanks everyone for the emails. Yes,
1: RJ. Uh huh. What have you been creeping on
2: this week? Ah, uh, a few things, Jarrett. You want to hear about? I, I watched two full movies. Ooh. One of them, two and a half hours long.
1: Was, was, was this in the movie that you uh, tagged with animal endangerment
2: and rape? Absolutely, but I'll get to that. Uh, I'm going to tell you about a Jarrett pick first. Oh. You ever heard of Point Blank, baby? I'm,
0: I'm aware
1: of Point Blank. I think I might have talked you, about it recently, and it might have
2: kicked off like all the movies I've been watching lately. I think so. Well, when we were talking about The Killers, you were into that Lee Marvin. Mm-hmm. You're like, I like Lee Marvin. I like Angie Dickinson. They're back. They're better than ever. Let's give them a check. Let's give them a watch. So I'm glad you did. I watched this point blank. It's in Jared's uh, films to make RJ a man category. And uh, I, got, I can say with confidence, this is a, a movie that features hard men. Uh, there's nothing harder than Lee Marvin in his approach in this movie and just every scene. When uh, Angie Dickinson is just wailing on him and he's just there and he's like, all right, and he gets beat up for like, a minute straight a minute solid like a solid minute of film and then he's like all right and then he sits down on the couch and just watches tv it's the coolest shit you ever seen jared he's such a man uh, i also really liked his uh demeanor when he gets to like the boss kind of like the boss boss in that same house mm-hmm. and uh, he's like i want the money and the guy's like what are you mental he's like i don't have the money and then uh, he, he plays it so straight and he's like what and because the guy's like what do you really want you can't just be money and it cuts back to lee marvin he's like no i want the money give me money and the guy's like i don't have it he's like he sits down on the couch again he's like well someone has money where can i go get money from other people and he's just playing it straight jared ooh baby uh yeah point blank is awesome yeah uh, you talked about i won't get too, like you talked about it before um i think this movie is like edited Pretty fucking amazingly. Mm. I don't. uh Henry Berman. What else has he done? Swing Time. Oh god. Yeah, he's Gunga Grandpa. Din. What the hell is Gunga Din? <laughs> that sounds. On, you racist. never heard of
1: Gunga Din? It's a, it's what a, is
2: Gunga Din? It's a movie. That sounds highly offensive, but okay. <laughs> Gunga Din. Weird. Anyways, Point Blank is awesome when it's uh, it's just cutting. Uh, you know, that believe, hallway scene uh, I where th- he's walking. I think walking. the kids like to th- call it disjunctive editing, RJ. Disjunctive editing. Yeah. I've heard of disjunctive uh, eye infections. Is that the same thing? And discharge? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, the editing in this thing is awesome. It's like walking, and then it cuts to something, and then it cuts back, and then it cuts over, and then it cuts back. People are talking. But it's not showing them talking. Lee Marvin walking down a hallway. The sound of chum
1: chum 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 clop clop clop.
2: And him or him like barging into the bedroom and just fucking firing away. Mm -hmm. Super good. He's like whipping people back and forth. He's walking around. He's a man of initiative. How about uh, a de-aged Lee Marvin before we had computers? De-aged Lee Marvin. I thought it was better in this yeah. than uh, the computer world. Mm-hmm. Is Lee Marvin still alive? No. He is.
0: <laughs> Lee Marvin's nope.
2: quite dead. Well, Letterboxd has, uh, doesn't say
1: that. No, he's very dead. He died in no. like 88 or something. Are you sure he's not running around in the Harry Potter universe? Him and, him and uh, uh, Kirk Douglas Charles aren't Martin. palling around. Yeah, Charles Bronson's also well, Kirk quite Douglas. Dead. Is dead. No, no, no uh, Charles Bronson and Lee Marvin are in heaven. Yeah, but Kirk with Kirk Douglas. Uh, and somehow, Kirk Douglas hasn't died yet, even though we've been trying to kill him on this podcast for a very long time. Years and years
2: and years. Well, like, speaking of killing some, people, I mean, if, so, I mean, if Michael Douglas can't kill him, we, we have no chance. We probably couldn't. Uh, Point playing is awesome, but you just reminded me, speaking of killing people, we were watching comedians and cars getting coffee, and I watched that Matthew Broderick <laughs> thing, and I think I, I think I need to put a disclaimer here from last week's episode, where it's like, allegedly, but not even allegedly, like he was like convicted, yeah. but I mean, the way I framed it, it's like, I don't want to get hit with slander or anything, so it's like, I'm just reading off of the internet, finger <laughs> on lip, uh, so I found out the whole story. But I also thought it was pretty uh, pretty ostentatious of Jerry Seinfeld to pick up Matthew Broderick in like a fucking mine green Ferrari. And he's like, nothing says uh, mine green Ferrari like Matthew Broderick. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what kind of pairing is that? He should have picked him up in like a tan, like a uh, sedan or something. You know? <laughs> you ever hear about what happened there with the old yeah, Matthew Broderick? Um, yeah, well, that's what Wikipedia is for. So the fine was, I thought it was like $1,000 or something. It was way less. It was $175, (laughs) that fine. So anyways, Point Blank is really good. It was a good movie. (laughs) Hey, how come you didn't watch the, uh, the Netflix remake that dropped like two weeks ago? Are you sure that's actually a remake or a movie that's just called that? Uh, well, let's see. It it film it stars your buddy Frank Grivo and uh, Anthony Mackie, and, and it's directed by your close personal friend, Joe Lynch. You know Joe Lynch. hmm You know Joe Lynch. Let's see. A nurse is forced to spring a wounded murder suspect from the hospital when the man's brother kidnaps his pregnant wife and wants to make a trade. Okay, maybe that's not the same thing. Uh, maybe it's not. Well, why would they call it point blank, then? Like make a different name. Like There's point, still oh, other like, names. Maybe like Point Break. Maybe like Gross Point Blank. There you go. What do you think about Gross Point Blank, Jared? Eh. It's got a good soundtrack. That movie. Even when I was like super into John Cusack, I didn't think that movie was all that great. Well, I don't think that anyone in the world has ever said when you know when I was super into John Cusack. Oh, the world used to be super into John Cusack. Now he's you? We, now he's That's... weird. Who John Cusack?
1: Yeah. Why is he weird? What did he do? Eh, he's a weird. He's kind of odd. He's kind of an odd man. He's, and, he's not. He's not that cute young boy anymore. He's kind of a. I don't like the way you phrase <laughs> I'm, that. I'm, I'm doing things with
2: my hands. I don't <laughs> like that either. I'm gesturing. <laughs> oh, so one other thing we were talking. So Andrea and I started this like Elvis documentary, and uh, she's this like, what? "How come there aren't like a this Elvis documentary?" Uh huh. And Andrea's like, how come there aren't any big budget like Elvis movies? And I was like, well, actually, Tom Hanks is making one now. So I looked it up and they got like this weird dude to play Elvis. And she's like, you know, who should have played Elvis was Miles Teller. I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. And she's like, and then, you know, who should have played old Elvis is John Cusack. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I think that's pretty good, too. (laughs) So anyways, Gross, uh, Gross Point Blank is a good show. Uh, you have anything else to add on that? Yeah, that movie's awesome. I'm glad you watched it, RJ. Hey, do you want to hear the worst title to a movie I've ever fucking heard? Uh... Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them The Crimes of Grendelwald. <laughs> That's such a mouthful, man. And yeah, and you watched it. You did this to yourself. Uh, so, well, I mean, Harry Potter. Yeah, you know, that doesn't mean loosely, anything. loosely. Loosely. Well,. It's on Crave, though, so I didn't have to, like, illegally download it or anything. I didn't have to go out of my way. It just popped up one day, and I was like, well, we'll give it a shot. It's two hours and 15 minutes long. I don't really know what they're doing, man. <laughs> like, there's so much of this thing that's, like, as you said, intentional. Like, there's all these. <laughs> J.K. Rowling st- edited that. Edited, yeah, exactly. Well, she wrote these, no, right? No, she, she edited what you were saying there. Oh, for real? Yeah, she bought Skype, oh. I think. Oh, okay. I said it's like what you said was disjuncted, but like <laughs> unintentionally so. I so, see. Yeah, I can see why J.K. Rowling would uh, edit that out. It's like it's just so fucking all over the place. These things. Um, you didn't watch the first Fantastic Beasts, no. right? No. <laughs> like so, that one like had more of like a story. I think this thing—it's called like the Crimes of Grendelwald, but like you never <laughs> what, see him doing a crime. What does that mean? <laughs> okay, so like Johnny Depp plays this guy named Grendelwald, oh. who is like uh, unimportant, doesn't matter. And the movie is called the Crimes of Him, but like the only thing you see him do is at the end he has this like Nazi rally where he's like. <laughs> what? no like that's I think that's like the illusion they were going for there Probably. where he's just like he's like I don't hate the no Madge, the muggles I just want them to not be here anymore and it, it's very like Hitler-esque build that way wall. Not, yeah it's like I don't like hate the Jews I just don't want them around anymore like that's the vibe Oh, he, you see the crime but like there's the crimes of grendelwald but like that's he doesn't really do anything other than like i guess hate speech
1: oh shit rj are we getting into some strong politics here
2: no 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 (laughs) no no. but uh here i'll 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 bring it back you ever heard of sexy dumbledore because he's in this jude Vaugh plays young sexed up dumbledore firm who wears suits, which is, like, bizarre because Dumbledore was only ever wearing, like, garish-ass ass robes. Like, I don't know where these suits came from. So he's, like, sexy, and they're, like, love partners. <laughs> they have, like, this blood pact, which is, like, very... It's really weirdly presented where, uh, like, there's all these, like, callbacks because, like, it's alluded to that they were, like boyfriends and it's like all right cool whatever but like it gets brought up in a weird way this guy's like remember how you guys were friends and then he'll like show an image of Johnny Depp and he's like yeah I do remember that but then Dumbledore will go down into the basement to like that mirror that shows you what you want and then it's Johnny Depp and it shows their like blood pact that they made where their like blood swirled together and like fused and it's like this is weird like the mirror thing seems like a weird callback that didn't need to exist there. It you could have figured it out. It was no problem. So you have that, which is part of the story, which is like fine, whatever. But then you have like I think the problem that this movie has is there's so much going on because it's also like partially this fantastic beast storyline where Eddie Redmayne plays this Newt Scamander guy, and he's like running around collecting all these animals and like magical creatures. But then it's weird. I don't know. It's like it's what happens when you try to make something after the fact. There's like all these magical creatures around and you're like, where were all these guys during Harry Potter World? Like, you know, we saw some of these fucking things, but not these like giant ass lions that are apparently like all over the place. Where were they? Uh, So, uh, yeah, I mentioned animal endangerment. So there's a lot of that in here. Are the animals made up? Of course. But uh, they're there they're getting tossed around so that's weird uh you get callbacks to like nicholas flamel for no reason like dudes in like super old weird fucking makeup okay uh you have like loose connections to like other family members in here where it's like all the harry potter families and you're just like all right <laughs> whatever like i don't know like i felt like some of them were like such such reaches where it's just like, why are you like bringing these care like this character strain back into this? Like, why does that matter at all? It shouldn't just make like, I don't know, make something new or don't even fucking bother. Um, and it's like, well, it's the characters that never got any time in the Harry Potter world. It's like, yeah, cause they're not fucking interesting. Nobody gives a shit. So I, I did take this as rape also, Jared. Uh, so, you know, uh the Lestrange family, uh you know, that Helen Bonham Carter. Uh huh. So it's uh, alluded to that like her her like grandpa uh, was really in love with this lady and they had a kid and it's like she's one of the main characters in this. Um, But the way that the grandpa got this lady was he was in love and then he he was in love with her and then he did like the curse thing where you control them. And she's like, well, he did the curse to control her and then they had a child and it's like, oh, so he raped her. It's like that's a weird thing to put in this like kids movie is like people raping each other with magic. Right. Right. <laughs> Jarrett. <laughs> you know what I mean, man? <laughs> Jarrett. Anyways, I've, this movie's like all over the fucking place, and I can't believe that there's going to be three more of these things like I think they should just pack it in and call it a day. Huh. It's bizarre. Weird and wild stuff. No, it's Jared. Not fantastic. It's it's a crime for sure. Yeah. So, anyways, that was a movie I watched and uh it's on the podcast now forever. Hooray. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's and like the thing too is like they're not like overtly bad movies, it's just they're not good. And it's like why do these exist? What are they what are they trying to do here? Big also money. Johnny they're, they're- Dat- they are trying to he, and he succeeding. He looks like such a fucking mutant in this thing where he has like – there's like bleach blonde hair and like one eye that's like completely white. And it's like never explained why he looks like such a fucking ghoul. Like <laughs> I don't get it. Like we were watching the whole time. We're like, why does he look like this? <laughs> it's like, well, I guess there's three more movies. You got to you gotta wait it out, play the long game. And it's like, well – I don't know. You're answering the wrong questions. Answer those immediate things up front, and then you can reveal things later, like deeper things. Tell me why he looks like a fucking goblin. Tell me that right now. I don't know. And then get know. to the other things. I don't mean you specifically, oh. I just mean JK Rowling. So, anyways, those are movies. Did you watch any movies?
1: Yeah, RJ, I did. What? I rewatched The Swimmer, a movie directed by. Frank Perry, written by Moon Eleanor Perry? Perry, and starring Bert Lancaster, also from uh, the Killers. Uh, Killers is this, is this that movie? Swim fan? No, not not Have swim fan. No, not swimming pool by Francois Ozon. Just the swimmer. This movie uh, is a movie that I, every time I rewatch. Well, I've now rewatched it once, but uh, the first time I watched this movie. It's weird. It doesn't feel like regular types of movies. It is very metaphorical, RJ. So I don't know if you or I should actually be watching movies like that, since we have a hard time uh, addressing metaphors, apparently.
2: Oh, well, I mean, we don't understand movies, right? Except, for, except
1: for like *Lethal Weapon*
2: and *Back to the Future*. So this That's... this movie, though
1: this this *The uh-huh. Swimmer*, uh, it tells the story of a man at midlife crisis. It kind of is like. Ben Braddock from The Graduate All Grown Up, and this movie came mm-hmm. out like, whatever, like a year after that did. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, if I've talked to you about this movie before, but, so, gr- I don't know. It's a movie that Columbia, Sony put out on DVD ages ago. I wound up watching it because uh, a friend I was house-sitting for had a copy of it, and I watched mm-hmm. it, and it, like, stuck with me. I was like, what is this movie? It is so peculiar. It's very, like, late 60s, and no one seems to really talk about it, but it's so memorable in a way. And this was my first time re-watching it. And I was like watching it again. And I'm like, oh, I don't remember this exactly. But no, oh, mm-hmm. wait, I remember all of this. And like watching it again, I'm like, man, I really, really, really like this movie. It tells the story of this man who uh, he emerges. So this is Burt Lancaster who is wearing mm-hmm. swim trunks the entire movie. The entire movie. Because he's a swim fan? He is a man who's going to swim home. And basically, he lives okay. in the, kind of like a, the suburbs, like old timey suburbs, which means that like houses aren't just like right up against one another, but there's like kind of acreages upon acreages. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of running along th- out of the woods, and he's going to uh, swim home, meaning that he's going to go to property to property, swimming uh, a lap across each pool in the backyard of each one of these houses. And everyone's like, "What are you mm-hmm. doing this for?" And he's like, "I ah, know, I just, I, I I'm, just, I'm, I'm in a rush. You know, I'm just going to swim home. I'm going to have a lap." And there's like, as time goes on, he's like going place to place. There's like these kind of like really well handled like allusions to like his life falling apart. And people are like, mm. why is he acting so <laughs> weird? Why is he pretending like nothing's going on? Why is he talking about his wife? I thought you guys broke up. And he's like, no, no, they're great. Ah, the kids, they're like home. They're uh, playing tennis. And they're like, people are like, uh, your kids are older than that. And there's all, all this information about him just gets revealed scene by scene. It's really well done. And mm-hmm. it, get, but it starts like kind of getting darker as it goes on as like the, I don't know. It, it reminds me a lot. And maybe... It's like the go-to of this movie. Of like, this is very Don Draper territory. It's like very Mad Men-ish because it's the same type of window. And the guy uh, that Burt Lancaster is playing is also this, um, as the movie calls it, a suburbanite stud. This guy who's like just like he's got he's married with kids, but he like really gets off on the fact that he's like the good-looking friend to all their friends. Mm, wise I, I know that
2: pain yeah you you know you know what i'm talking about rj i know that pain yeah. it's it's not you don't want to be that guy well, that's, what this, like, movie, that's when, what this that's what this when movie's you're about. so handsome yeah everyone's you know?
1: always is like you know it's just like you, you walk yeah. in the room and someone's turned on the faucet
2: yeah i get it man yeah. it's it's tough but fair
1: no so this movie just yeah. talks about that guy's life and uh it's uh it, it doesn't pull its punches it it it's very artful in its a depiction of like weird creepiness and as well as like depicting this guy like being sympathetic to him but at the same time you're like this guy's a scumbag <laughs> like and you're like uh-huh. no this guy's doing some inappropriate things but and it builds and builds yeah i i think this movie is fantastic Uh, more people should watch it. Grindhouse Releasing put it out uh, in this like great 4K restoration. I like it quite a bit. Uh, Hmm. So I I was like thinking about this Frank Perry director and he's like directed a handful of other movies that I have not seen. So I watched uh, his first movie called David and Lisa. It's this uh, black and white movie about uh, this character named David who is played by Mm -hmm. the man who played Dave in 2001 A Space Odyssey. What? I know, what? What? So this is like, what? this is from 62 and David is a, some might say a Twitter user. It might say some might say, oh, I'm no. saying I would, he's like, just this angry, intense. Well, actually spectrumy man. Well, actually he's had some sort of, he's had a breakdown, uh, where the mere touch from another person causes him to like spaz out. And oh, uh, I know a guy like that. And his parents have put him into a school slash institution for him to, like, perhaps mm-hmm. uh, acclimate and get over this shit. And uh, he befriends this girl named Lisa, who is a adolescent schizophrenic. So she kind of hovers between kind of a girl her own age and, like, a three-year-old. And you mm-hmm. get, it, the movie just, like, deals with, uh, I mean, for 1962, I would say that it's handling of... Uh, psychiatric issues of mental illness are pretty uh ahead of its time. I guess like we're just like of its time, like very contemporary. Unlike mm. spellbound, <laughs> the Hitchcock movie, which is oh, yeah. awful in its depiction of things, versus like comical, this feels mm-hmm. a little more related to it. Even though it's the got <laughs> it's got it's a little 62 ish in its depiction. And there's moments where you're like, oh God, are they going to magically cure these people? But then they don't, which is good. Uh um, well, that's nice. It's, just, it's this low-key black-and-white movie that just focuses on these characters. There's some dream sequences that make sense for uh, the character of David. Mm-hmm. But this movie's decent. It's pretty good. Uh, I'm looking forward to checking out more Frank Perry stuff. There's this one called The Last Summer I'll probably watch in the next week. But it all depends on how uh, the next few days pan out. So we'll see. I watched this other movie called Private Property. Uh, this Total Obscure movie from uh, that just got released by Cinemalicious. Cinemalicious? Uh, it's got Warren oats in it. And it's about these dudes who kind of just emerge from the ocean. Almost like, what do you mean? They just kind of like walk like off of- shockwave style? Not quite. You don't get the shockwaves moment of dudes emerging from the ocean, but they're like kind of just walking mm. up from the beach, and you have no idea how they got there, where they are, and they hitchhike. That's they, interesting. They, they, they catch a ride, and uh, they're just dirtbag weirdos that might have just, it seems like they just got out of jail, and they're looking for uh, opportunities like we all are. And uh, one rolls on in mm. at a gas station that they're just hanging out at, and one guy's like, hey, that, those chicks are totally out of your league. You shouldn't even bother looking at her. And then they're like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And they make their way over to her place. And then they start. Then wo- what do they do? They start working the angles, trying to like persuade uh. her, manipulate her, twist it around, even though she's in a marriage. But it's like she's all pent up, RJ. Her husband's not taking care of uh. her needs. Gross, Jared. <laughs> I thought you were a suburbanite stud, RJ. I thought you'd be like,
2: yeah, yeah I am. Yeah but tender and delicate. Yeah, well, private property. See, the movie's got a double meaning. Mhm. Sounds like a Duncan original if you ask oh, me. Oh, yeah. This
1: movie's uh it's not as like super sleazy as you would expect, but there's something about like harsh black and white small independent movies with uh sex perverts. It really uh speaks it speaks to me.
2: Well, I know sex perverts speak to you, but that's why you also like can't get within a hundred yards of lots of places within the city, you know? Yeah. Well,
1: that's the matter before the courts. So
2: yeah, I mean, they were wrong, right?
1: Alleged. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, I watched the odd couple with our boy, Walter Matthau, lesser boy, Jack. That's, Lemon.
2: A, that's a
1: weird poll for you. Why did you watch that? Um, cause of Walter Matthau. Uh, it's got okay. a, sure. It's got a Quincy, is that going, I can't remember. That's one, yeah, it's got a Quincy Jones score. That's also why. All these Quincy Jones movies scoring the shit out of movies. Uh, I watched this because it's been on my watch list for a long, 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 long time. I've always heard how hilarious it is. And it's okay.
2: Hmm. <laughs> just okay? <laughs> it's just okay. What about all the TV show reiterations and, of and the, the Odd Couple 2? Odd, odd sequel, oh. like 30 years after the fact? What about all the reiterations of the odd couples since then? Yeah, I don't care. It's what about, um, let me say it again. No, there was an odd couple TV show with Matthew Perry. I watched a Sean Connery movie, I didn't mind.
1: Finding Forrester, the Anderson tapes. What was that about? Uh, he plays a dude who just got out of jail and he wants to go right back to a big heist. He gets the mob involved who are going to financially back his scheme of wiping out this apartment where his hooker girlfriend lives. Uh, The whole movie's got this kind of like over maybe heavy handed uh, subplot involving surveillance and like the police state, how everything we're doing is being recorded. And it's kind of weird that this movie actually is as early as it was because it's before Watergate and, it's like all over the place. Quincy Jones goes into overdrive with like bleep bloops on the score. Like the audio score sometimes is just
3: bleep, bloop bleep, 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 bleep,
1: Like you're on a like a, a spaceship throughout this whole thing. Sydney Lumet directed mm-hmm. this thing. You know, the guy brought us 12 Angry Men. Uh, this movie is very enjoyable, uh, it, but it's very much like an, you have to be into early 70s offbeat crime movies, I think, to want to watch it. it. It had been like, I, had, when I bring this movie up with people, they're like, I've never heard of this. And I go, yeah, I figured <laughs> like i I've never seen this on TV or anyone to talk about it too, too much. But, um, I was a fan of this. It's kind of like, uh, it feels, falls into that same realm of like taking Pelham one, two, three, but it's nowhere near as good as something like that. But if you like that type of movie, this is like a lesser version of that. It's very New Yorkish. Uh, it's got some, uh, it's got, oh, actually, the big thing is it introduces to the world Christopher Walken. It's the first movie he was ever in. Very, like, that can't be true, very, very dashing with like a hair of ruffle blonde hair. We get some like vintage uh, Walken hamming up with this line reading that I should have uh, mm. filmed off my TV about America. It's a big, juicy, he wants to break up a big, juicy slice big of juicy
2: America.
0: Ham.
2: Yeah, big, juicy ham. <laughs> I thought uh, his first movie was Capes. No, no, he. He talks about big juicy hams and capes though too, doesn't he? He would have. He would have. You're correct. No. Uh,
1: I watched Easy Rider. So was it good? Yeah, I like the Anderson tapes. Oh, you did watch Easy Rider. I did watch Easy Rider. I won't go into it. Was it easy? It is a, it's a tough movie to knock because it's like so complete as a movie. It is like, it's unlike most other movies. People try to replicate it and they fail. Um, Mm -hmm. but like, I I would have a hard time believing Sony's like, it's one of my favorite movies. (laughs) You're like, no, it's not. This movie isn't one of your favorites. There's no possible. My favorite movie
2: is five easy pieces. Um,
1: I'm going to give you a, a, my, my, uh, my RG inspired read on this movie. I was watching this with Chanel who had not watched this Mm -hmm. forever and she wanted to sit down and watch it with me. And there's a point in the movie where Jack Nicholson is talking about UFOs. And she just was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm done with this. <laughs> she just got up and left. This <gasps> was like an hour and she was like done with it at that point. She was also really tired and want to go to sleep, but she was like, yeah,
0: what?
1: I'm out. So Outrageous. outrageous. That but is outrageous. I, watching it again though, I, I've i seen this movie a few times and I, like when I was younger, I didn't remember a lot of this movie. Like there's like broad strokes of it that I'm like, oh yeah, this stuff is recognizable. But the first... 10 15 minutes, I was like, What is this? What, like, I don't remember this at all. And RJ, mm-hmm. it's got mm-hmm. Jared Duncan himself, Phil Spector. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Wow. Who I didn't you rec- do look like Phil Spector <laughs> in no way, shape, or form. But
2: that one courtroom thing where he's got his hair, in my like, yeah, you look exactly my beat st- Peter hair. <laughs> uh, a, a few people have seen you in real life who are f- fans of the show, and they could say with confidence jared duncan is phil Spector yeah. in appearance and practice <laughs> murder uh murder. so yeah i didn't even recognize him in this and then i was looking something else up and i went
1: wait that was phil Spector? no shit what a well, creep
2: you're not very observant though we've been saying that for yeah years it's true uh, years. uh i watched a movie called bob and
1: carol and ted and alice it's, it was. It's, it was its last day on the Criterion Channel before it gets got got eh. taken away for whatever reason, and it was on my watch mm-hmm. list for this new Hollywood stuff. This movie's got Elliot Gould, who's a a good dude. It's got Robert. he looking hot? It's got Natalie Wood. Uh, okay. F- f- future right through that. F- future friend of Christopher Walken. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie. It's about as I put in my letterbox review. Groovy Assholes, and I found it to be quite the mm-hmm. cringe fest. So I want to, like, I think, I don't know if uh, Jackson, took Umbridge with my take or thought it was like a negative vibe on this movie. I want to throw up vibe because it's the late 60s brother. So okay, Bob, played by Robert Culp, he is a documentary filmmaker. Him and his wife, mm-hmm. Carol, Natalie Wood, they go to one of those brood style, like, psychiatric retreats. Where you're like locked in a wood paneled room with carpet and you're like forced to sit there for like twenty hours to confront your inner child and like you start crying, <laughs> you have to be truthful and doing all these things, looking longingly into like your sideburns and beards and bell bottoms. And uh they come out of it and they're like, Oh, my life's totally changed, man. I've broken down the barriers. <laughs> and then they go for dinner with their friends, Ted and Alice. And Mm -hmm. they start talking about just like all the people who've ever done this sort of thing where they have like this experience and then they start telling other people how they should be living their lives. People who have not had that experience and been walked through it, but they're just being told you got to live a better life. Like, us. like you have to like live a little bit like this, express yourself and like, we have to be more open. Like, what do you think about my hair? And, uh, well, I think it looks fun. How do you really feel about it? Like, tell me honestly, we have to open up because we love each other. Right. And I don't know. There's like the, the decisions in this of like, Rubber Culp's costume, fur collar mm. jackets and uh, Ooh, turtlenecks, jangly <laughs> jewelry. Also good. Uh, it, like these guys, like they're. Uh, it's a comedy, okay, but it's like an it's an adult comedy. It is. Um, it's it's rye. It's uh, it's about these people who are I think are supposed to be in their thirties, but they look a lot older, or seem older because mm. life was harder back in the late sixties. And was it though? Yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, my favorite, when you look at sports cards from like different mm-hmm. decades, and you look at like these men who are like, oh, look at this man who looks like he's fifty years old. Oh, he was twenty two because he was a farm yep. kid and had probably horrible diet and hard life. And now look at him. Look at the state of him. Anyway,
2: what was the state of them? Rough. Like a like a
1: like a like a tanned, <laughs> beat up uh, baseball glove. So the movie is, like, this slow thing of, like, Bob and Carol. It's like, what point is honesty too much? And Bob, of course, tells Carol right before they start making love, I had an affair with you. And uh, I don't know. Dudes always seem to be the ones that ruin this shit. It's always these uh, privileged guys that uh, decide, hey, free love. This is a great way to capitalize on doing whatever the fuck I want to do. And the movie, like, sets up these things. Like, this is where the cringeness comes in because I – have known of people like this from afar, and I've seen how this plays out, and it's just the worst. These people are the worst, and that's fine because this movie's depicting them in an accurate way. But uh, having fun with it, not like a mm. an acerbic, uh dialogue sort of way, like a "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf" or carnal
2: knowledge or did you or, say in uh, a rampage in dialogue way? Uh, yeah, it's a weird thing to say, Jer. Why would you say it like that? An alienator Lithuanian friend, George Hoshminer.
1: So what I'm saying, though, is Elliot Gould <laughs> shows up. He's got a hairy back. You get, you get oh, some shots of... Up? Uh, you get some wife-friends. Lots of wife-friends. You get them, like, being doffed. And then you know things are about to g- go down. You pervert. There's some nasty scenes, though, of, like... After uh, Bob tells Carol that he's cheating on her, and they start winding down, and Carol's like, "Yeah, I'm totally okay with that because I'm I want to have an open experience. And I want to like love you and understand you better." And they start like hanging out on the bathroom floor, but then you notice that their bathroom mm. floor has, like, rugs in it. Car- car- carpet rugs on the floor
2: of their bathroom. Uh, and they're I've in- been in a bathroom with a carpet before.
1: Yeah, and what? How it's would, not. It's not ideal. How would yeah? Well, so this this bathroom just got like full on like carpet
2: rugs in it and it's i'm surprised that you're put off by that because you're kind of like a gross dude no
1: carpets and bathrooms i think of bungies and
2: uh you're kind of a gross dude you didn't even change your toilet seat when you moved into your new house which is like (laughs) all sorts of disgusting no one cares rj remember how you have like weird hang-ups on things Mm -hmm. remember remember how you do yeah So this movie, yeah,
1: this movie is, uh, it's just all about the slow, it all moves toward Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice winding up in the same bed with one another to settle things once and for all. I don't know. Do they do it? Well, that's, that's, that's the big twist. Do they or don't they?
2: Oh, Come on. They're going to just leave you on a
1: cliffhanger like that? This movie one day, I think, will enter the Criterion Collection proper. I, I feel Ugh. that's inevitable. And then you'll get to watch it, RJ. Do we you don't think know... it'll get
2: remade with like Jennifer Lawrence? I uh, could. And uh, who would play Elliot Gould? Timothy oh <laughs> uh,
1: He's not hairy enough. <laughs> nope. No one's hairy enough. Think of like the hairiest oh, guy. Oh, you know. I don't know. You could get. Um, oh, damn it! What's his Logan name? Logan Marshall Green? No. no. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like who'd be a good uh, Robert Culp now. Who's who's a really hairy man? You know. uh, uh you? Are
2: you? You seem. Pretty, I mean, I'm kind of hairy. Yeah, you seem like a beast. I'm Hungarian. Hungarians grow hair. Yeah. In places you don't even know about. RJ, do you want to hear about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No. Okay. Well, I mean, you can, yeah, you are not you late on me? This is hot news. This well, is uh, well, you, new material. You haven't watched it yet. Yeah, but I will by you, next week. You were supposed to have watched it
1: yesterday. You even messaged me saying, hey, should I go see this movie? And I went, yeah, probably. And you're like, no, nah, that's not
2: happening. And I was like, okay. Well, that wasn't yesterday. That was this morning. And I think the fact that you have your time frame so disjointed disjunctive disjunctive uh makes me question your your well-being are you okay i'm fine you all right <laughs> you getting you getting your stuff mixed up a little bit there bud bud a little bit mixed so. up there's, uh there's, no there's, just talk there's... about it freely dude it's hmm. not about the destination it's about the journey Hmm. you're not gonna sway me i don't you know what i was
1: talking so you know what i was talking about how the master wasn't yeah like the movie the expose on Scientology and there was like the whole thing about like Jeremy Renner was originally gonna be in it and then he became friends with Tom Cruise and then they never made that movie the way that it was supposed to be and then it started like turning into something else and completely differently. You know how that all was and now being like kinda like oh these these directors I really like Anderson Tarantino making war movies that are like kind of like not war movies. Like he has no real Mm -hmm. interest in making those types of things. I've gotten used to that now. And so when I heard that Mm -hmm. once upon a time in Hollywood was going to be a movie about the Manson murders, I was like, no, it's not. It's never going to be about that because that's not the type of (laughs) filmmaker he is. He hasn't been like that since Jackie Brown, when he made that one movie Mm -hmm. that was like that. And ever since then, he's made movies the way that he continuously makes them. And it seems to be like intentionally avoiding the type of movie that people would want to see because it's not part of what he wants to actively do. Like he wants to, it's not
2: part of his plan.
1: It's not part of his plan. So I went into this knowing that full well, and then I was still kind of frustrated because when this movie is doing that Manson stuff, it's like, Oh fuck, this is so good. Um, cause at the end of the day, like there's never been a good movie about the Manson murders. It's never happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, like where's my Zodiac, fincher style movie on that like that's what this movie we haven't made it yet approaches at times because like he's obviously tarantino an amazing filmmaker he knows what he's doing he knows mm. how to, he knows what he's he, he knows where to rip off things he knows how to lift he knows how to assemble things and repackage it and make it its own and he could have done it but he didn't want to because that's not what he wanted to do okay
0: mm-hmm.
1: but he likes You know what he likes to do rj he likes what? to have characters talk and have uh-huh. and have mm. chats And And then what? And this is what happens in the movie. And then, eventually,
2: violence. Good kind of violence, or? Cartoonish, over-the-top, crowd-pleasing
1: violence. Is that bad, or is that good? It's what it is. And you know who often the worst violence is perpetrated on?
2: Uh, Is it people with the XX chromosomes? Yes.
1: And I it understand. seems like particularly when things are happening to them, people get even more excited because they're like, oh, this is sort of so verboten. We never get to see it happen, and even though, except you do. <laughs> like, you do all the time. And, we never get and, this. And he, and he gets to relish in it just a little bit more. And, mm-hmm. uh, oh, the crowd, just like in Hateful Eight, oh, they were so happy,
2: so pleased. <laughs> yeah, I think it... <laughs> I don't know about the crowds who go to these movies. Well, the crowds are jam- I got. Let me tell I'll you. Save here. it for next week. Okay, let me tell you something here.
1: So, uh, our audience—it was—it mm-hmm. was practically a sold-out show. Mm-hmm. We were probably on the younger side of the audience going to this movie. Okay. Lots of baby boomers. A lot of boomers. Mm-hmm. They're real. Like apparently, they're really into Tarantino movies. They like that Tarantino. And uh, they so yeah, saw Kill Bill. Yeah, they love Kill Bill. <laughs> they like, even though it's like, no, they didn't see this stuff. They don't give a shit. But like, they like the idea of Tarantino. They like an idea of an, an adult movie made mm-hmm. for them that's not like a superhero movie. And I, I guess they come out in droves. So we went to like a Saturday, like at seven o'clock show. So it was packed. But it was like the audience was like way older. And it's like one of the older audiences I've been to theater with in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. They, they seem to be enjoying themselves quite a bit. Uh, My thoughts on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's good. You should watch it. Yeah? Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to. There's some things. I mean, it's like kind of like in Hateful Eight where you're like, this is going on a little long. But it's not like it's painful. But there's the times where I was thinking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where I'm like, this is like one of the best Netflix movies ever.
3: <laughs> wow.
2: Wow. Do you think it's, like, going to compete with uh, The Irishman for best Netflix Ooh, movies ever? Oh, man. How yeah, much de-aging is in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood?
1: Uh, there's some things. There's a scene. So, I'm, like, I don't know how much I've talked. I'm not really being spoiler here too much. Ooh, go for but, it. Uh, there's, like, there's a thing involving inserting characters into movies Ugh. that exist Oh, with uh, Leonardo. And uh, it's not very good. What? Which one?
2: What movie? What, who does he play in this? Like a real actor? No, he plays a, a fake character. He's a, okay. fa- he's a so fake. So what movie man. do they insert him in? The Great like Escape. The Ugly? Okay. Yeah. As Steve McQueen? Nope.
1: As uh, Rick Daltrey, as the lead character in Great Escape. But it's, oh. uh, But it's. But he doesn't get the role. That's kind of the thing. Hmm. it'll make sense when you watch this movie. There's a a lot of things we can talk about next week when you've actually seen the movie. I don't want to, like, skew you too much, and I think I've already done that by talking about the movie the way I have, but... No,
2: I don't give a shit what your opinion is. But there's
1: there's shit in this movie that triggered me real hard. Triggered me, RJ. Uh Uh-oh. There is... Well, okay. There is feet on theater seats, and uh, as people might Mm. recall... Uh, one of those moments that really changed my life was when I saw The Dark Knight in theater, and there was this girl who had her fucking bare toes up on the seat, right by my fucking face, Mm -hmm. and like that was just fucking disgusting. (laughs) And then there's this shit, and it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. oh, look, look, she's such a girl, and I was like, it's like, no, fuck you. Maybe, maybe
2: she got what was coming to her. Wow, maybe wow jerry maybe that's such a hoss maybe you're the the fan of this uh f- feminine violence maybe not female violence not violence against females but feminine violence you know it's a di- it's a it's a difference it's subtle mm-hmm. but it is there how was uh kevin smith's da- daughter she uh because he was talking about her who she you is? know kevin Smith, silent bob yeah Who's he was that? talking like for weeks about how his daughter was in this movie. She's one of the flower girls. Oh, one of the Manson girls. Oh, is that what she is? Yeah. Oh, so you didn't you didn't pay attention. I have no idea that she was in it. I don't know who she, what she even looks like. Uh, well, did you watch that Silent Bob? Jane Silent Bob reboot trailer? Nope. Holy fuck, dude. It looks real bad. Oh, wow. What real shock. bad. On, Val, wow. Val, Val Kilmer is in it, so that's oh. cool. So
1: And Ben did, Affleck did, do, and that do, uh, do you have any questions you want to ask me?
2: No, I mean, I think what you did was a good general rundown. You said your piece, it's new, it's hot, people probably wanted to know what it you see, It seems like the more you watch it, but, the better it gets, which is yeah. an experience that
1: uh, I had with Inglourious Bastards. It's a movie that I thought was kind of like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. Then on, when I rewatched it, I was like, this movie's really, really good. So I don't know. I've seen a lot, a lot of love fall on it. Maybe uh, it'll take me a second viewing to for it to w- work its magic, but... So. I don't know. There's some like really good stuff to it. I mean ultimately this movie is like another repository of like worthless information and shit that Tarantino's really invested in. I'm really curious if we're gonna have a like all these people like every time a Tarantino movie comes out, people just go like, Kill Bill. Oh, I'm gonna watch all these uh Japanese ladies snowblood movies and then and Glorious Bastards, I'm gonna I'm really into Italian war movies now or uh. C-Lo. Salo, I'm really into Salo. Remember when that happened? When Django and Chain came mm-hmm. out, everyone's like, "Oh, I've always been a fan of spaghetti westerns." Spaghetti, <laughs> spaghetti, and uh, Spaghet. I've always been a fan of Hateful Eight. <laughs> like people, like sure. they always get into it. So this one's like, I'm really going to get into Mannix and other like late '60s American television shows. Mm. Mm-hmm. But there's, Questionable. There's, yes, but there, yeah, there's some good stuff. Al Pacino's in this, were you aware? Uh, I wasn't. Is, is he playing the his character from Heat? No. Oh. He's playing a Jewish Hollywood producer. Great ass. No, he's very
2: restrained in this. Do you remember that hit line from Heat? Yep. Who else is in this movie that you don't expect? I don't know. Bobcat with only- Nope. What about uh, Gilbert Gottfried? Sh- Sh- Sheriff Bullock's in it. What? Nobody told me about that.
1: There's, he's like These are like, oh, they're in it. And then they don't like, there's not much about that. Mm. It's just like, oh, there they are. Oh, I see. Roman Polanski's in it, but not Roman Polanski. Hmm. Oh. Well, he can't step foot in America. Well, it's, he's, he'd be a bit old to play himself, I guess. No, they could de-age him. Yeah, I don't know. This movie, we'll talk about it next week when you've uh, watched it for okay. yourself. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Hey, RJ, you got any news? Sure. Uh,
2: Nope. Hmm. Nothing happened. Godzilla Spine 1000, baby. Okay, yeah, so here's the thing. I'm totally fine with this. Yeah, it's I fine. like Godzilla. Yep, I'll buy this. Whatever. Hell yeah. What is the price tag going to be for us Canadians? Well, it's
1: 225 U.S., so you wait till it's fifty percent off. So one twelve US, and you do the conversion, which is like thirty five percent. But that's fifteen movies. Jeez. It's it's like what twelve dollars a movie after shipping. That's pretty good. That's pretty reasonable.
2: Maybe maybe in Dunkin' Land, no, they'll charge me double that easily. Yeah, uh, for you for easily. your for your crimes. The crimes of Grindelwald. All the fact that all monsters
1: attack though <laughs> is going to be what about uh, it in the criterion group the it's so fucking bad (laughs) it's so bad yeah i mean whatever whatever
2: i I, I like godzilla you know i i'm cool with this i think i think it's a way better choice than if they'd pick something like random they're just like here is mars van triers the idiot for spine (laughs) 1000 and everyone would have been like (laughs) so i think this is a nice safe bet it's good and i i like it i'm gonna watch it yeah. I like, like Godzilla. I'll be
1: on this boy. I
2: like Godzilla, baby.
1: Yeah. The Girl. Ch- the chunky boy that
2: is Gorjira. Earth's greatest chunky boy, is that what you said? <sighs> sure. Well, there you go. Cool. Well, that's that.
1: After the break, leave mm. the condoms at home, folks. Oh, we're <laughs> going I in. I quit. We're, we're, we're going to learn about scabbies And socialism
2: no. <laughs> I quit for sure
0: uh, Goodbye boy.
3: Namn då.
4: Anna Lena Elisabeth Nilsson. fodden den 23 5
3: Har ni sökt för det här förut någon gång då? <kör> Nej. Inte det. Nej. jag törs inte. då.
4: Nej, jag törs inte.
3: Törs inte läkar ska man inte vara rädd för dem? ska man ha förtroende för. Kan ni beskriva lite grann hur det känns?
4: Det kliar i ögonen. Så börjar jag klippa med dem. här. Sen går det ner i bröstet och så går det upp i tungan.
3: Tungan.
4: Det är ju tror att det är smittsamt.
3: Ja, det är inte omöjligt att det smittar i sängvärme nämligen. Kan du säga när du märkte det här
4: först? Ja, sex, år. Är det är du, Bertil. Nej, inte se, Tycker inte far och det är att han till i är död? Så tidigt? Ja, oh, du vet så går upp i tungan och sen sätter igång. Och så frågar jag.
3: Frågan vad då?
4: Allt. Alla. Jämt och ständigt. Du
3: ja.
4: vet du vem som är kronprinsens fäst med? Han
3: har väl ingen fäst med heller. Ja, när
4: tog du lika examen då? Ja när
3: var det igen? Det
4: ska vara fria bort i Sverige. Fria bort? Mm. Tycker du att uh, filmsensurien ska avskaffas. Ja. Kungademmet då? Det
3: är omlikad systre. Systre. Vi har Lena Nyman här, hon söker för en nyfikenhet. Vad brukar vi skriva ut emot det?
1: And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about the I Am Curious collection, covering Yellow and Blue from 1967 and 1968, respectively, directed by Wilgot Scholman. That's right, folks. Who Scholman? Who Scholman? No, don't don't mistake you... that S J O M A N schomann No Scholman. Did you look that up? I did. You nerd. That's right. So first up, RJ, this is a collection that's been kind of on my radar for a while. Um, Okay. It's more because of it's like- Why? uh, I don't know. It's it's got that interesting title, I Am Curious Yellow, and I Am Curious Blue. What does it mean? What is this (laughs) thing from Sweden? We are too. What what is is this product? What is this thing that we're all about? It's European and Mm -hmm. sexually liberating- and has it's what? Se- Sorry? Sexually liberating and was it's for you maybe. And was was uh seized by American customs for being too much too much what sexiness. Yes. So we're, we're going to get there. Mm. So I think these are some real RJ picks. I am curious yellow. A synopsis uh-huh. here from Letterboxd. Lena, age 20 wants to know all she can about life and reality. She collects information on everyone and everything, storing her findings in an enormous archive. She experiments with relationships, political activism, and meditation. Meanwhile, the actors, director, and crew are shown in a humorous parallel plot about the making of the film and their reactions to the story and each other. Nudity, explicit sex, and controversial politics kept this film from being shown in the U.S. while its seizure by customs was appealed. Sure. <laughs> so that's Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. So, RJ, you, you, do you know what the yellow and blue is in reference to?
2: Uh, I think it was a gimmick to sell movies. Well, it's the colors of the Swedish flag. It's apparently... Uh, and what else? In Vilgot, he, uh, he says that these movies should be viewed as one movie. I mean, is there any world where someone would watch I Am Curious Yellow? And with, and not have the intention to watch. I am curious. Blue. Like if you just flat out didn't like yellow, oh, I guess you would yes. stop. But. Which
1: which is a fascinating thing I noticed on Letterboxd where uh, over two thousand people have seen yellow and less than a thousand have seen blue. I get it. That's the I get it. That's the conversion I, rate. I guess that's yeah. the the winning factor of yellow. Some people might pick up this set and go.
2: They watch yellow and then they go.
1: I'm good. I think I'm. I'm good. Go, I think I'm good yeah. here. <laughs>
2: and yeah all i mean is like i think the intent to watch both would of course be there for everyone like so him saying it's like well you should watch both of them as one movie it's like yeah no shit man oh, but i think four it makes like a, it's a, about a, yeah it's a nice breaking point though where it's like a, na- a nice natural stop where you're like well okay like if you're if you're not into it you can just be like i don't need to watch the other one <laughs> yeah i got i got the gist I
1: okay the gist. so Talking about this your this year film project. So This movie is uh, its approach to cinema is to be mm, not not exactly bourgeois, I would say. In fact, it's trying to break it's down those. It's yeah, not bougie, RJ. It's uh, it's about mm-hmm. breaking down those barriers, those things of comfort. They don't want you to be lulled into any sense of like the cinema, into the cinematic. It, it, it's you want to use the tools of cinema to tell you, make you think about things differently. It is, uh, it's kind of engaging, not necessarily in critical theory or anything like that. It is, uh, engaging in, uh, experimentation, I guess. No, no, there's like a whole thing. You could go buy a introducing critical theory book and read about that. And you get yourself a little taste of that Foucault and such. All these things that I've read and left behind in my life after, uh, Discovering the the kind of sham that is academia. It don't seem to have uh seem to have helped you at all. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. But well, you, you,
2: well, I, you know, I, I, I mean I, I work there, <laughs> but uh, true. Yeah, but difference of opinion. So
1: this yeah. movie, RJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the most engaging part, for I guess, was the uh, I guess what people call the vox pop stuff where it's the, the the woman on the street asking the general population of Sweden their mm. thoughts on issues of the day uh, really banging on this notion one that um, I guess I talk about in my day-to-day life about this issue of class and it's like in Sweden which is kind of like held up uh, nowadays still uh, to this day it's kind of like this socialist uh, state of like where it's like success like or whatever you want to call it social d- democracy. Um, where sure. society is like, it's equal and like, there's super high taxes, but people aren't like, just like out on the street dying. Like the government will help people more or less, uh, mm-hmm. to more rather than like, figure it out, <laughs> get, get your job at McDonald's and figure, <laughs> it, figure out. it out, man. What's that controlling the spending? I'm like, oh well, no, 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 no. You use, yeah. Anyways. So this movie just touches on these, like asking people or this character, Lena, but it's like this. Actress playing this character, asking people at like events uh, on the street, what do you think? Is there still a class? Is there a class still in Sweden? And more often than not, people go, no, of course not. There's no class here. And it's like, that's not true at all. But when they're pressed on it, they go, well, you know, maybe it's got to be that way. You're like, wait. But you first, at first glance, you go, no, there's no class system here. What do you, it's preposterous. Even though even to this day, RJ, I would posit class is a very, very real thing. In fact, it might be the only thing. Perhaps it's like the only thing that is should be paid attention to. And perhaps things like sex and race, gender, are all distractions to that one major point that should be addressed before anything else. But
2: Well, I, I mean, some would argue that all of those sub subsidiary things a tribute to the class system, Jarrett. Now mm-hmm. I'm not one to philosophize or to spout. Politicize. Make, politicize. make st- strong politics. Allow me to politicize for a minute. But, uh, you know, some people who are perhaps passionate about said things would argue that they are all together entwined in a delicate relationship mm-hmm. of class, gender, race, religion, diarrhea i had to throw that in there to mm-hmm. you know keep it real just mellow things out a little bit here but uh as i said i'm not going to politicize on that but uh i believe there are others out there i believe there's others out there who would uh, gladly pontificate on such oh, things yes. and i'm sure if you go to the letterbox and find reviews of this movie i'm sure some of them do uh for for certain i'm sure some of them do anyways you were talking I was talking,
1: I was going on about things. So so for me, like the, the, the eye on the street level thing with like interviewing people of the time, you watch it and you go, oh, people talk the exact same way now as they did back then. Sure do. Things really haven't evolved that much. Um, And this, I'm curious, yellow and blue, we'll just say, because they're essentially one continuous thing just Mm -hmm. two separate films released separately within a year of one another with the same actors, the same director, um, same plot. I'm going to put in big quotes, uh, (laughs) eh? big quotes, plot. Yeah. Um, things haven't really changed or evolved. This movie though is engaged in a window of time where you had student revolt and marches and protests. The sixties were, uh, very much alive with, uh, Political activism, now referred to as social justice, and uh, this this film emerges completely out of that. So it's kind of like a cultural artifact, and maybe should be best viewed that way rather than as a movie that one pops on, sit back to watch mm-hmm. people boning in like doing what? Boning. Sorry, boning. Oh, god. <laughs> Okay, keep going. Yeah, g- yeah, gazing into one another's genitals and pubic hair. Doing what? <laughs> gazing. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, that's not okay. what all. That's not what all this movie's about. But uh, that's what definitely sold this to a lot of people who are like, oh, what are these Swedish people up to? What what are these crazy mm-hmm. Euros up to? They're just making movies about themselves having sex? That's pretty wild. <laughs> but you got to think, like, that probably was pretty wild uh, for movie goers at that point in time where... Sure. Like, you just didn't go see these things in movies. So it was like, oh, what a novelty. And then, of course, when the government steps in and says, you can't watch this, it just makes people want to see it all the more. And then, of course, inevitably... Uh, it goes through court cases where you go, well, we can't really deny people what they want, and uh, it's just ex- freedom of expression. So, have at her. And they and audiences
2: did, and then
1: they were watching
2: this and would've <laughs> been. Oh, what do you think their opinion of, was? Do you think the people who were like fighting for this uh, well, sex flick were? Do you think they were pleased with the what they got? Let's read. What On Wikipedia, the critical reception.
1: Contemporary. (sighs) Initial reception to Curious Yellow was divided. Vincent Canby of the New York Times referred to it as good, serious movie about a society in transition. And Norman Mailer said he felt like a better man after having seen it. Conversely, (laughs) Rex Reed described the film as about as good for you as drinking furniture polish. And Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times lambasted it as a dog, a real dog. And stupid, and slow, and uninteresting.
2: <laughs> uh, I have the Roger Ebert uh, review in front of me here, Jarrett. Yeah, he's talking of uh, pious pornographers, uh, <laughs> anti-erotic. Two hours of the movie will drive thoughts of sex out of your mind for weeks. Ebert knows about he's, t- Ebert knows about titties. He knows about them huge tits. Uh, he just he's he's really on about how he doesn't think this movie is erotic or sexy at all. And I would, uh, I, I don't
1: disagree. Like
2: I don't no, know. I don't. This is a this is a rare confluence with me and uh, Mr. Roger Ebert where it's like yeah, I agree. I don't think this movie is sexist or uh, sexy either. No. He does he does talk. His opening line is if your bag is shelling out several bucks to witness fe- phallus. In brackets flaccid <laughs> then I am curious is the flick for you, uh, do you he think said you think Ebert went you know?
1: into this movie with like a big raging hard on
2: and then oh I didn't even get a jerk off by the time the credits yeah. rolled <laughs> i I think so I think even more interesting <laughs> is on Roger Ebert's page all the comments are from six years ago so I don't think anyone's watched this movie in six years I don't
1: know if a lot of people that's the way to check this one out. This, So I mean, this movie fits on a. uh, So did you think of *Loves of a Blonde* at all while watching this? Nope. No? Okay, that movie was on my mind. Not really. The black and white. I think I liked
2: that movie.
1: Yeah, the blonde, like just like the relationship of this girl being taken advantage of by this dude. Uh, who like, gotcha. who's tra- the musician who travels around and like, she, she thinks like she's liberated and she's like, yeah, I still have a bunch of guys. Now I can pick on whoever yeah. I want. And then she like, oh, this guy's like doing the same, doing this thing around me. And she's like the emotions, the human emotion kind of comes into these things about like when philosophy and approach kind of come in. It was reminding yeah. me a lot of like, uh, the same thing when I was watching that, uh, Bob and Carol and Alice and Ted movie I was mentioning Earlier, the Bob and Doug movie you yeah, watched, yes, on Criterion Channel. Strange Brew, Strange Brew. Okay, um, it's, it's the same thing cool. like th- this window of time, these movies came out within two years of one another, and uh, yeah, you have a society in transition. Uh, and this is a movie that's going Where to be transitioning from? I don't know but I know they're sexually transmitting things. Oh my god, Jared, <laughs> uh-huh. um, so yeah. T- t- this I'm just talking about yellow, I guess. Um, yeah, we got Vilgot, Jerman. <laughs> uh he's in this, rocking that Hutterite beard. Um,
2: he's behind- he, he is absolutely rocking yeah. that Hutterite. Men in a beard, no. it's full. And so
1: we have these scenes where, like, it kind of cuts in between, like, them making a movie, and then they're filming scenes of the characters happening, and then they kind of remind you that, oh, you're watching a movie, which is something they actually kind of do in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at moments, where it's like a full-on movie, oh. and they get a character. Yeah, see? Meta filmmaking.
0: hmm
1: So anyway. Um, the story just kind of proceeds. It's, uh, it has no interest in trying to make a seductive film experience, which I, Um, well, it it, it reminds me of the idea of like latter day Jean-Luc Godard movies that are like Mm. almost like in some ways like you could argue if you're not a fan of this movie it's ruined by the fact that it's like trying to be this like political film and it's like not even trying to like operate as a film I like I get it it's like if you don't have any interest in this type of thing it is not going to be for you and so in that case it's like well is this film a failure because it's not seductive enough and like it would argue well yeah we shouldn't have to be seductive people should be coming to this and be challenged Okay sure. Um, I really have no strong dislike or like for these films. Th- to me they're just like cultural sure. curiosities <laughs> curious um, mm. of like th- these movies and I'm like, okay, I've watched them now and I am uh, prepared to move on with my life. but um, we'll continue talking about this. RJ what did, what did you think here of uh, I am curious Yellow?
2: You're smirking a lot over there. Why do you think that is, Jarrett? Oh, I just i couldn't imagine RJ Baylog being a fan of I Am Curious. Is it because I don't understand metaphors?
1: No, nope. no. Nope. I don't think this movie really takes
2: in that element. Is it because I'm made liter- uncomfortable? Literary conventions. Do you think it's because I get uncomfortable when I see genitals in any way, shape, or form? or any kind of sexuality portrayed in any form. <laughs> Raw sexuality. Raw sexuality. Am I a Quaker? I don't think so. <laughs> Quaker. But uh you non, know non-violence? Just... You feel like you feel like a oh, violent no, man? Who are those who are those dudes? Yeah, I'm super violent. Who are those uh people who did not have <laughs> violent sex? violent and sexually repressed, just like a good Catholic boy. <laughs> good Catholic boy. That's exactly it. No, that... who are those uh those purists that didn't have sex, but like, I thought those were Quakers. No? They they, well, they didn't last very long, did they? Yeah, the ones who didn't have sex and then none of them <laughs> went forward. Okay, yeah. well, anyways, I'm more like along that line where it's just like, ugh, ugh. Like, you know that Dave Chappelle skit where he's like, I just want to stick my uh, penis through the hole? <laughs> it's just like, I sympathize with that because I also don't want to see penises on screen or vaginas or any genitalia for that matter. What am I talking about? Anyways, I am curious, Yellow. We're just talking about yellow, right? Yes. Okay. Uh yeah, I wasn't into this. Yeah. Um I'm I'm kind of indifferent like you are. Like I didn't dislike this movie in any way, but I didn't I sure as hell didn't like it. I thought I'm with Roger Ebert, man. This thing's like a dog. This thing is dogs are awesome. Though. Uh not uh not an actual dog. It's like a dog the of a figure um, of speech the figure of speech dog, not a literal dog. Yeah. Cause dogs are cool. Um, no, it's just kind of like, I, I found this thing to just be like that kind of auteur t- bullshit t- tedious? where it's like, film. <laughs> yeah, it's tedious, but it's like, it's like films about films about society. And it's like, uh, where I feel like there are movies that are commentaries about social or cultural things and they use film as their, like, grounding point for it. Like, for example, Jared Criterion movie, which we've covered already, Eight and a Half. I feel like Eight and a Half. And, like, I'm, I'm using this connection very loosely. I don't think these movies are related at all. But I'm yeah. just saying Eight and a Half is a movie about movies. And it's telling a story outside of it. About Feline and about the things that he was into and the things that he was feeling and his world. Where I feel like I Am Curious is a movie about making a movie about all these class, society, sexual uh, exploration, and all these other things. And I honestly, I felt like it was just too much stuff jammed into one thing. Like, the word of the day that you brought on me and now i can't stop thinking about it is it's disjunctive like i feel like it's all over the fucking place because it like cuts between these interviewing parts where like you said you you were a fan of those where she's like talking to people about like caste systems and i don't know all that like shit that was going on in sweden and and then it also cuts to like the sexuality bits like liberation and all that good junk and you're like okay cool But then you're also like, you get this like faux making of behind the scenes stuff. And I was just kind of like, I don't know if we need this. I don't know if you need this like through line of making the movie where it's like the actress and she's, they're making the movie about the stuff they're doing, but she's also exploring and like discovering herself with the actors and the director's like on the other side of it. Yeah. It just, it, I don't know, it honestly felt like too much shit for me where well, I was kind of like, ah. Yeah. Like they, they got it, too, too many, uh, too many irons in the fire here, Jarrett.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's like, it's a, uh, it's a potpourri of uh, approaches because there's like these, uh, yeah, these, like it's always like wanting to like kind of remind you at times of the, uh, the artifice of film and never like let you become comfortable or lulled. Like kind of like the one moment in the film, uh, in yellow, that's like when, um, the couple goes to the like lakeside shore and they're like hanging out and then she like, but she knows about like another girl that he's seeing mm-hmm. and she calls her out on it and they like, kind of like go and start like fighting in the water. And they have this like moment of like, like, where, like they're, they're fighting, but then they're like really getting into each other too. And then, then mm-hmm. they go back to the house and they're just like laying around, I guess parading around naked. And then, and then uh, she finds out that there's another girl that he hasn't been telling her about. And then when she comes to lay down after she's found out about it, he just like takes her and they start you like, he takes her RJ and they, okay. they, and they basically start hate fucking. And she, she starts oh, interrogating ew. him and he's thrusting away when well, she's like, what about her? What about this girl's name? And you're like, Oh, whoa, this is getting pretty weird. And then they start having like a domestic, uh, dispute. And then you're like getting into you're like, whoa, this is getting serious. And then it cuts to like, Oh, the, the f- camera the, crew, the, the camera crew who are like uh, co- uncomfortably waiting outside for like, it's kind of a weird joke. Like where like, it's supposed to be there yeah. to diffuse the scene and be like, Oh yeah. Hey folks, don't take it too seriously. You're watching a movie. You're watching actors. And they're like, the idea is that these actors are in their moment. And like, the film crew have just like turned off the cameras. And now they're waiting outside while the fight resolves. But then it comes back and the fight's continuing on. And then he like also, again, takes her by force. And, and you're yeah. like, and you're just like, what in the fuck? And then it kind of jumped. Like, it's like, but it's like, there's obviously like pretty good like film practice going on in this and there's like a moment in I'm curious blue like this like amazing crane shot of like following her like leaving this apartment going up this huge stairs and then crossing this bridge and it looks amazing and you're like holy crap Mm. like that's like an amazing shot but so he but there's obviously no interest in telling like a a conventional narrative like something like the immigrants or something like that or uh how like one car why makes a movie like, he, sure. there's no interest in making a, a smooth, polished product. This is a movie that's supposed to be, like, f- kind of frustrating and pushing your buttons and making you engage mm-hmm. and think. Now, but the thing is, though, is that a good time? <laughs> is that, like, is that how people want to watch movies? No. And I think the, I think, uh, Rilgott Herman, he knows that. He, he knew that going in. And so he made this movie. Mm-hmm. Now, this movie's going to, it's going to test your boundaries and be like, it's going to be pushing up, putting things like in front of your face. Like, Hey, here's some sex. Here's like real people. <laughs> here's some sex. Here's some real people. Here's some real Frank's, uh, depictions of that. But it's not even like, I would, I wouldn't call it pornographic. It's kind of just like, Oh yeah, no. that's, that, that's what's going on. These people are just like, and it cuts away like almost every single time. It's where you're not like watching it be ground out or anything like that. But,
2: uh, gross. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I agree with Ebert. It's like non-erotic. Yeah. And like, I think the biggest thing with this, is just like the scandalous stuff. It's like, yeah, I guess like, sure. Maybe in 1967 showing like elements of sexuality on screen were like, see, whoa. See, that's the, the, you know what
1: though? So I've read though that maybe those were like the superficial grounds that the movie was being seized on, but not so much that it's like extremely, uh, leftist in its politics. Uh-huh. and uh, could I, have That been, makes like, more ab- sense. There'd be objection to like, whoa, we don't want people uh, thinking this. But it's like, people were thinking this stuff. Like, It's not like it was like, oh no, this movie's going to like set them off and it's going to push them over the mm-hmm. edge. It's like, there's nothing persuasive enough in the way that this movie's presented. It's far too, I don't, I don't know what to call it smart, but it's like very academic. It's very intellectual. Sure. And I, that's not going to like grab people, except for people who pretend to get it or are really into this type of thing. And people still make projects that are not unlike this, but nobody watches them. Like nobody mm-hmm. cares about this stuff. I see this stuff all throughout the year and I watch it and I go, oh, this isn't that good. But it's like, this movie is like 10 times better made. Like it's well photographed. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't know. It actually has like some film chops to it, but at the end of the day, uh, I never I'm never watching this thing again. I just like come back. Oh yeah, I did that.
2: I did it. I did, I did a podcast once. <laughs> once when you're on your deathbed, what are your regrets? Uh maybe I am curious. I don't know. Henry V probably. You got any That's notes here about yellow? About yellow specifically? Yeah. Um, I wrote down public incomprehension for some reason. That must have really stuck out with me. I think that was a funny term. But no, it's like I said, I feel like it's this author, uh, auteur bullshit about like movies about movies that like allegedly have this deeper connection. But I, I don't I don't know. Like I don't think it's actually there. Like I, I feel like it's like I agree with you. I don't think it's like a dumb movie, but I think it's kind of superficial in a sense where it's just like we're gonna slap this like social commentary right beside the sexual stuff. And it's like Okay, and then even just like the marketing for it. it's like, like the way the movie starts it's oh. like we are yellow, the, we are blue, we are two. The, the, the trailer, Buy us
1: both the, the trailer is incorporated into it. The critique of capitalism.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it, like even that, I'm just like, eh. Yeah. Eh. so yeah, yellow is yellow. Uh, I gotta say, I think out of the two, I think I enjoyed blue more than yellow, but really? I don't really. I think it had um. Well, there's just lots of shots of people swimming naked in, uh, in lakes, but n- never <laughs> genitals. Uh, never yeah. genitals. Yeah. See what I mean there, Jared. I hear you. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. Um, you you take blue away.
1: Okay. You go. So I am curious, blue. This is uh made the subsequent year, '68. Yeah. Tagline: Look who's flying into the blue.
2: <laughs> into the blue. Yeah a weird way to the put it. The same
1: movie with the same characters, cast and crew as I Am Curious Yellow, but with some different scenes and a different political slant. Bullshit. That's like absolutely not. This movie is completely it's, no. a, it's a completely different movie. This is crap. Yep. The political focus in Blue is personal relationships, religion, prisons and sex. Blue omits much of the class consciousness and non-violence interviews of the first version. Oh yes, there's all the stuff with the weird like Borat-style Martin Luther King interview. The Borat? Borat.
2: <laughs> I have a dream.
1: Well it's not more uh, Stephen Colbert, I guess. Like, or like he's like fake I don't know. More like Weird Al, where it's like fake interviews.
2: Oh, who is um I don't the think dude that... on uh, much music. The doot doodaloot doot boop boop. You know that interviewer? No. I remember Weird Al did this way back on Al TV. Anyways,
1: uh, blue emits much of the class consciousness, non-violence interviews of the first version. Yellow and blue are the colors of the Swedish flag. Thanks. Thanks. Garbage. Mm-hmm. No one's wa- no, no one who wrote that watched this movie. They just threw out some, some terms and going, hey, that's what this is about. Um, so, yeah. Th- I watched this on, on the subsequent day, taking a break. And uh, mm-hmm. my my focus was not on this movie entirely. It felt like just more of the same. And and so it's like turning this like, oh, two hours was fine, but now we're getting into hours three and four and it's like not doing anything different. It's like, it's got the same types of
2: interviews, but with different people, different responses. Mm -hmm. Um, You know who is doing different interviews? Nardwar, the human serviette from... Oh, Canadian or much music. Yeah. Nardwar. Doot, 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 doot. It's a shaving a haircut song, Jared. Uh, know what I mean? Yeah. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. I just want to talk about Nardwar for a second. Okay. <laughs> so, blue. Yeah, this yes. one uh, I found
1: even less essential than yellow. Uh, it, it's just more of the True. same and completely washed over me. Again, there's, like, these moments where it's like, oh, hey, we're, we're, we're constructing a film, and we're going to zone mm-hmm. in on these things. where like, we're at parties, and then people see people from, an, like, another time. They're like, oh, hey, don't talk about it. Hey, let's not talk right now. We're having an affair. There's all this kind of, like, fake yeah. drama stuff that you're like, well, the whole movie is, like, dismissing this out of hand, and we're still going down this route. So, like, what's the most effective t- use of our time in making our ideas come across to an audience? Like, what are we doing here making films? But we're gonna do this. So it's very experimental stuff still, and I was like, "Yep, we. I. So we had to experiment to figure out what stuck and what what didn't stick." And I don't know. I, I. I was trying to think about examples of this filmmaking that gets shown in other things still to this day. But it's like, we'll just make just make a documentary. Just make a a yep. movie and write your story clearly, coherently. Feel, but it's like again, but it's just like. Just, that's what they want you to think, man, because that's just uh, facilitates the commerce, man. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but that's what people want. People are people like storytelling. People like cohesion. Yeah. Um, you can. Well, do, 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 for do, your do, like, yeah. Keep going. Oh yeah. Keep going. Yeah, people want something to stick with them, and I mean, yeah. obviously, yeah. that we're now at a point in the monoculture where Disney Studios, Disney whatever, Marvel Studios, they figured it out. They have every movie they make now makes a billion dollars and you don't even know it. Like you don't know anybody who actually sees these movies because there's so many people now on the planet that like, it doesn't even like making a move billions. Like, well, that's pretty easy if, as long as you got the right, like broadness mm-hmm. to your movie. And I mean, those people like, don't even know what I'm curious is. And most of those people don't even know what the criterion collection is. It's true. And it's like, well, does that mean the criterion collection is like dismissed out of hand? No. So it's like, well, I'm curious. I don't know what that is. And it's about this particular thing. It's dismissed out of hand. Sure. I mean, this movie's not going to be for everybody, and I don't blame them at all, but I don't know. I just feel like there's a, a better way of doing, because like, I agree with the politics of these movies, personally, and uh, I just don't know if this is the most persuasive argument to those politics, because if it is, it's kind of like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Maybe there's something mm. wrong with the way that uh, you're thinking, but I don't know. I think you can do, it could have been done better,
2: but... RJ. Sure. I mean, strong politics. No, I was just going to say when you were talking about like people trying to like mim- mimic it today, kind of, or, or you were th- trying to think of ex- examples, I think the only thing that would come close would be like maybe horror movies that aren't good. And uh, the only <laughs> thing that comes into mind would be like something like that Adam Wingard would make, which would be like not the Blair Witch remake that he made recently, but like that. And then like a little bit more where it's just like, and then you see the camera crew, but then the camera crew gets terrorized also. And it like, like, do you know what I mean? That's the only thing I could think of where it'd be like, like a found footage yeah. movie. But I don't think that any of those people are like fans of I am curious. I just, uh, no. The, and the only other thing that I could think of is that, uh, disappearance of Eleanor Rigby movie that had, uh, your buddy James McAvoy and Jessica Chastain, where it was like, it was a romance movie, and one was just from her perspective, one was from his perspective, and then there was a third movie that was a mix between both, which was, like, the real story. <laughs> And that's kind of what I thought we were going to be getting with this split of I, yellow I and did blue, too. based on the right. But it's horse shit.
1: It's total yeah. bullshit. It's like no, this is like just different foot. Like it's a completely different footage. And it's like yeah, it's the same kind of gimmick and characters. And we got Vilgot still lurking in the in the shadows. Ego, the destroyer. Yeah, there he is, beard intact, mm-hmm. and uh, we have Lena. Nice. Kind of, uh, Dunham fine finding finding trouble wherever she goes, yep. mixing it up. Having blowouts with that same dude. Yeah. Uh, scabbies. Scabbies. And yeah, like, this yeah, one's got the, the, the... way
2: more weird talk of scabbies. Well, and
1: there's like, yeah, okay, we gotta, got to take a look at your penis now. We've got to clean yourself up and roll it around your body. There's lots of bodies.
2: Are you afraid of the human body, RJ? Yes, you are. Uh, no, not the body specifically. I just don't like the way genitalia are used. <laughs> As in how they hang <laughs> off the body? Sure. 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 Yeah, I mean, bodies are fine. Like, what do you want to know about bodies? I know about, like, muscles and skeletal development. Like, I'll tell you whatever you want, man. So, yeah. Any, uh, any thoughts so, on Blue? <laughs> uh, I thought it was really funny in Blue when uh, they're, like, on that track and field thing, pitch, and then that naked woman emerges, and then the guy sees her and then just runs away. I was like, hey, that's something I can relate to, running away from nudity. I'm on board with that. <laughs> Uh, I thought this movie was like, so it's like I said, I think Blue is like a little bit more enjoyable for me. I didn't really enjoy either of these. I I also didn't dislike them. But Blue is also more gratuitous in the sense where it's like slapstick sexuality humor, like that tower scene where the tower is going up and down. Oh, I was watching that and I was just like, like, just like squinting my eyes. I was like, what? Like, what are they doing? What are, what do they hope to achieve by this? Whatever it is, it's not working. So I was like, I don't I don't know like I like you know, you know what I mean, Jer? You Know what I mean, Jer? It's not And I feel like working. that was like it's not working. That's a whole movie too. And then there's even these weird scenes where like the one scene that I thought was really weird and out of place is when she gets picked up by those hitchhikers and they have like weird overt sexuality, like on display in front of her. And then she's talking and she's like, that was the best I felt in weeks. And then they drop me off. And, And then it like, it just moves on and you're like, okay, so she's comfortable with like, around other sexuality but it's like but who fucking cares and like that's the whole thing it's like sexual liberation it's like yeah yeah i get it (laughs) i realize that a lot of people were oppressed for a long time about things like this and they still are and they still are yeah i like i know but i think like it was like i was saying earlier i think this movie has like kind of a superficial approach to that where it's just like well our girl is just gonna like fucking get out there and do what she feels and it's like (laughs) is that like is that needed or can you like go about it a different way? I don't know. It's not how I would have made the movies, mm-hmm. but uh my movie would just be a guy sitting in a chair in an empty room for 2 hours and then it, <laughs> it would just be curious. like it would just be like a subtitle popping up that just says like no genitalia. <laughs> oh, by the way about subtitles. Did you notice at a point in Yellow there's subs over burnt-in subs yeah, which I found uh, off-putting. There's nothing you can
1: do about it, I guess.
2: There's nothing you can do yeah. about or, that. Or
1: actually, after watching these movies, RJ, do you have any like strong feelings about Franco? Who, Jess Franco? <laughs> yeah, Or uh, James Franco? Well, or perhaps so Francisco that, Franco.
2: So when that popped up, I w- my first thought was Jess Franco. And then I was like, no. That's way too deep of a cut for these guys. And I was like, what about James Franco? Or maybe even Dave? You know about Dave Franco? Sure. Do you know about him? No. No? Uh, Yeah, I have no opinion of Franco. People didn't like him. I don't even know who he is, so. (laughs) That's kind of what I figured. (laughs) I know who
1: Nardwar is. He was only the, like, I mean, he ruled Spain, well, I I don't live there, so no. Well, that's the, why do you, I need you, to know you, about you're it? You're just like a very comfortable Swedish person who goes on who goes, travels abroad to Spain, and
2: it's like I don't care if who's what's happening in Spain. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. There you go. I mean, if you if you went to a different country, like say you went to Taiwan, would you care who the president was, or would you just be there to you know eat some street mm-hmm. food and hang out for like a couple of days and then go home?
1: Well, RJ, I'm a person that currently doesn't travel to America by choice. I said Taiwan. Well, I'm just saying that uh, I might look up, look into things, and be like, "Hey, is this an okay place?" And I might go.
2: Mm. I don't know. I went to America last month. It was fine. Yeah, I know. You don't. Nothing changed. You don't care. No. Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Nothing matters. I mean, Jarrett, it doesn't matter who's in. Nothing's going to change. Know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Legalize it. Do you remember that?
1: issue of Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane where uh, Lois Lane becomes a black woman for a day to experience racism <laughs> and that was called no. <laughs> I am
2: curious black wow when was that written like 1999 tw- uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little earlier than that <laughs> oh no I don't remember that but no. the, that's embarrassing for yeah. uh, DC comics <laughs> oh, sucks to be them you yep be there what other comic gossip do you got
1: um gwen stacy really wanted to go to that movie with peter parker do you think that would have changed everything if peter parker had like gone to that movie with gwen and then like he
2: got woke and uh got radicalized and started like wanting to smash the state i feel like peter parker would have been cutting uh, a hole in the bottom of that popcorn and been like hey gwen Check this shit out. I mean, it is about a Spider-Man.
1: Is about a man who like shoots like white sticky fluid out from his wrists. Not what I meant at all.
2: No. it's not what I meant at all. He's I wasn't a, mean. He's, he's a he's a
1: repressed weirdo.
2: I feel like Peter Parker wouldn't have cared about this movie, how do you and f- I don't think Gwen Stacy would have cared either.
1: Ah, uh, she. I don't know, man. It was it was the hot picture of the time, allegedly. How do you how, how do you feel about nonviolence, RJ? To, to prove your point.
2: I feel like that's a made up thing.
1: <laughs> Is it?
2: Yeah, sure.
1: You should read a book sometime.
2: I don't read books. I, I don't even know well, how to read. Stephen King.
1: No, I just audio he'll, 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 t- he'll tell you about black experience.
2: Wow. Actually I mean if you get
1: RJ can, can send you some some, some I can
2: send you s- from Some pictures from his of books. Stephen King. Is the uh, language his vernacular is dated? Well, I would say, yeah.
1: Hey, anyways, it's, it's character you, you, you want to hear about some people who hate I am
2: curious? Sure, I mean, neither of us really yeah. care. So, Zachary Kirkwood, who... half a star,
1: right. pseudo intelligent twaddle mm-hmm. concerning the twaddle. intersection of revolutionary politics and a young woman's burgeoning sexuality. It's bad. Burgeoning. But its cardinal sin is simple and damning. What do you think it is, RJ? Sex? It's boring. Devoid of any dramatic no. substance. Stay away and keep your curiosity about this stinker in check. How is that Jean Shallot?
2: Gene Shout's kinda like uh, Nardwar a little bit. A little bit. So uh this guy was talking about boring and he said a different word. That's always like uh, my that's
1: like the one of those
2: great cliches
1: of uh, letterbox review yeah. types is I like, it's it's its greatest sin of course is it's boring. Like that's I mean, everyone's probably said that sometimes to sound like smart,
2: but it's so, not. I mean He's not smart either. All of his five star movies are just movies that you would expect. If you know what I mean. And his half star movies. Uh OK, so it's a lot of shit that is just like, why even rate that? Because it's <laughs> dumb. Uh, but he has stuff like half star movies. I am the pretty thing that lives in your house. Scott Pilgrim. That's not a half star movie. I mean. I don't, I don't much care for the director, but uh, Scott Pilgrim <laughs> is a pretty terrific film, and Chuck and Larry, Chuck and Larry is a really good show. Hmm. Chuck and Larry is a really good show, Jarrett.
1: Andy Patton got- of East oh, Chicago, okay. Indiana. One star. I don't care what the description to this movie says or how many professional linguists and film scholars go along with this mass hysteria. But this movie isn't really what they describe it to be. It's just routine of what they're all saying to be all over its nuts. Any boring thing can make the Criterion Collection as long as it's highly perverted. Then you have the task of voyeuring mm. with the camera and capturing raw or real-life moments, the quirky, the odd, or bizarre. Things that don't make sense, the better. A girl can hang from a tree limb upside down and shake her perky breasts, and that will be like a childhood memory in the minds of the judges that pick these films. It settles with them. The more boring, the better. A mishmash of nonsense doesn't matter. This one has footage of Martin mm. Luther King, but these movies are not social dissection of the Swedish caste system in any way. It's just like like any episode of Michael Moore's TV show. He asked a bunch of questions, but some scenes were filmed around those intersegmented interviews.
2: Is that good? (laughs) You know, it's weird. This person just watched, I am curious, yellow and blue like a day ago. I'm aware, (laughs) which is very bizarre. They're like favorite films. I don't really understand. There's Nightbreed, the mist autopsy of Jane doe, and then Bruno. Highly perverted. Which is, like, really weird. They have zero five-star uh, movies. But other one-star movies are, like, Don't Look Now, Leaving Neverland. So this guy's a Michael Jackson supporter, maybe. And then, like, Barfly, one star. Mm. So very bizarre, Jared. I, very bizarre from Andy Penn, East Chicago, Indiana. I, another Zach. Zach. Zach
1: Dijkstra. this is for Blue. Blue, okay, one good. star. Some or people say this movie makes no sense, but once you to understand, is that every choice the filmmakers made was on service of their ultimate goal of annoying me. Then the whole thing really comes together on a thematic level. Boom, <laughs>
2: boom. <laughs> oh, that's so smart. Back of the net. Oh, uh, Kobe. Was that their whole review? <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, did you notice that the that Andy Patton guy also uh, has a one star review of Blue? I did. I, did, I I'm not but gonna, we already covered him. Yeah, nothing's on the top highly perverted, <laughs> highly perverted. Uh, Zach Dis- Deskrakjes tastes are highly yeah, highly perverted. I mean, five star films are just criterion's like Children of Paradise and Sweet Small Success, but also bad five star films, Star Wars: The Last Jedi hereditary call me by your name five stars uh, let's let's have a look at uh, oh zero half star reviews only one star reviews are for i am curious blue sherlock gnomes jurassic world <laughs> fallen kingdom and dr seuss's how the grinch stole christmas from the year 2000 starring uh, canadian legend jim carrey i like that i
1: am curious <laughs> somehow in there in the mix. Somehow in the mix of these other fucking yeah. movies. See, I, I wanna walk into a house and you see like their DVD shelf and it's that. That's that's it. Just that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it, man. And it only it's like I'm curious blue. N- not yellow, yeah, just blue. Not
2: yellow. Oh, I only like blue. Yeah. It really uh really speaks. No, I, or I know I
1: really hated it, but I only own the movies I hate. Ooh. And then finally, Ben de Bono who uh, has popped up before. <gasps> Repeat he, offender. He, he's uh, He also is somehow doing a Criterion podcast somewhere or at some point anyway. But there's oh, ones for exist. Real? Yeah, I think so. One mm. star. Both these movies feel like they were made by an edgy 14-year-old who read <laughs> half a chapter of Richard Dawkins and are I now know. out to educate the rest of us. The movies claim to be giving us a glimpse into Sweden. That's really not fair to Sweden. <laughs> so I'm really not sure how Richard Dawkins fits into Any of that a- a- Anything is like oh, Richard Dawkins doesn't fit the, into any the, of that the, shit the, the, the biologist, the scientist, the, that, that guy Cool I don't get I don't think it. there's a single mention of uh, evolutionary science Of any sort in the movie hey, But, hey, but dear, I guess Richard you know Dawkins is a bad guy Because uh, he's an atheist and uh, he talks a lot So I guess it's, uh, this is more about axes to grind
2: Hey, you know how you said I should read a book? Yeah. I read some Richard Dawkins. Uh, how do you yeah, like that sure. shit? Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, ben DiBono gave La Dolce Vita five stars. Yep. And Hereditary five stars. Yep. And like, I don't know, Criterion movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to, okay, wait. Half a star to Armageddon. Like it or not, Armageddon is not a half a star movie. It's,
1: it's definitely not. The, it's not in the bottom five. No. Of, gar- Ooh, of of contrary to like Reddit people, who are like so, uh, who ride the the dick yeah, of uh, Criterion, who think that's like a great insult that it's there. It's like nah, it's dumb yeah. and it, it's easy to make fun of, but it's hardly one of the worst films that we've watched.
2: Not even close. yeah, for sure. It's like that Armageddon is actually like the the breaking point for me, where it's like anything over Armageddon, I actually liked. Anything below Armageddon, it's like. <laughs> So anyways, this person, Ben DeBono, is really questionable one-star movies. Mission Impossible 2. That movie's not curious. Yeah, but it's weird. Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Mm -hmm.
0: uh,
2: Both of the I Am Curiouses. uh, Batman v Superman, the best movie ever. (laughs) Indiana Jones, The Crystal Skull. That's not a one-star movie. I know people are all hot to shit on that too, but... I I actually enjoyed it, but even regardless, I don't think it's one star. And then here's a real uh, shitter. Uh, The Descent, one star. Hmm, Seems bizarre. And then he gave your uh, movie Super one and a half stars. Hanny Calder, one and a half stars. Why? What's wrong with Hanny Calder? Maybe it's a little too rapey. Yeah, some movies are. What are you going to do? Good thing we don't have
1: to worry about that on the Criterion Creeps podcast. There's a lot of raping Uh-oh. over
2: here. Is Oh, is there? Oh. Well, on your end of the... No. Whoa, Last Temptation of Christ, two stars. What the fuck? Hard Boiled and Black Orpheus, two stars? Whoever this Ben DeBono guy is, he's not a good guy. <laughs> Whatever his Criterion podcast is, I, I, would, I would not want to listen to that one. But there aren't any others that exist, right? That's correct. Correct. Hey. Hey. You got any yes. more, uh
1: you got any thoughts here? Any conclusions on this? Fuck, I'm no. curious. No, nothing? Nah. What happens when you They're... mix yellow with blue? Who gives a shit? It's green.
2: It's not What's that the, What it's are not, the primary it's not, it's not that colors?
1: Hard, huh? The primary color is black because that's the color of my heart. Wow. That's going to be my letterboxd review for something one day. <laughs> You're such an edge lord, Jared. For, for, for uh, maybe primary colors, starring John Travolta. Is
2: that like that uh, that Moose movie that he's in? Yeah, just like directed by Fred Durst. Moose, that movie looks maybe. awful. Awfully good.
1: And here is it what is. You and here here's our chatter on YouTube forever.
2: What Moose? We're yeah. gonna watch it when it comes out. Ugh.
1: Yeah. After the break, we're getting our Mm genitals scrubbed. Ew. That's it. Ew. Use a condom, RJ, for Christ's sake.
0: Ugh.
2: (laughs) The penis sheath. Eh. Why why, why are you you scraping your tongue? Because you disgust me so much, my tongue tastes bad. (laughs)
3: So on the Eastern Front One two Asians at a minimum I will country tombstone Sense of humours wanna stray somewhere
2: RJ are you gonna be traveling yes. to Sweden in the future? after they got all this weird sex shit like this movie suggests uh, what, what about those wild politics universal healthcare oh, 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 oh. I don't care about that I'm just more weirded out about all this imagery of towers going up and down you, you know, know what I mean can email
1: us at criterion at gmail.com and tell us about is that working is that really working because I don't think yeah. it is I don't <laughs> think it's working we've got a Facebook page we're on Instagram we're on highly perverted letterboxed, where you can be, uh, where you you're, oh, right. where your reviews can be deleted, like mine, Jared Duncan's, and RJ's at Barnloaf.
2: Where did you get a review deleted?
1: I haven't yet. I'm not that lucky. Not okay. yet. And uh, yeah, we're on Patreon. We got Patreon. We? we got YouTube. If you want what to else? listen to like, if you don't want to listen to this shit ever again, you can just listen to us talk about that movie you care so much about.
2: What, I am curious? We're on
1: SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that what shit. What else?
2: What else are we on, Jarrett? Next week, <clears throat>
1: Spine 182. Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs from 1971. Oh, baby. Math just got a little harder.
2: What about Sam Sanchez's Straw Dogs? Is he? What? <laughs> what? Why did you say math got harder?
1: Dustin Hoffman's a mathematician.
2: I don't know. I've never seen straw dogs, dude. Oh, shit. Well, you're going to find out
1: all about bear traps then, my friend. And and oh. English people and coats. What did the English do? Broken glasses and complex
2: sexuality. Ah, uh, You had me for everything until that one. Yeah. Good night, folks. Um, okay.